who they are and what they want. Like right. fucking like um Trina. Trina got on well, it's wild. Trick Daddy has a, a radio show in Miami. Trina got on Trick Daddy's show and she's like like I know where Trina stands now. She's no longer my diamond princess. <laughs> like oh, she no. got yeah, oh, so, no. like um she was she basically took the stance that everyone who's protesting is a looter. And then Trick Daddy, Trick Daddy of all people, is like, you know, he's defending people. He's saying we only we know it's only a handful of people who are doing the looting and who are causing, you know, the damage. Everyone else though was down for the cause and Trina wasn't trying to hear that shit at all. So mm. so she's no longer the diamond princess. But that's the thing, man. Damn. We got it like this is the time where we have to know where people stand. Like we like we've we've maximized the point of people pussyfooting with what their stances are. Like like it's one thing to have conversations in the workplace where you know, that should be somewhere that's politically neutral, especially if you're a minority in your job. Um, but, you know, everywhere else, like, you know, you you have to you have to make a decision, man. Like we've come to the point where, like I said, people have to make a decision. And my my tweet that I wrote and even my podcast, I just posted like the episode of Post Today, like the only question that I really have that needs to be answered for the country is what are white people going to do to save this country? Like we reached a point where we have to openly start asking white people, what are they going to do to not only, and it's bigger than just Trump. It's like literally all facets of life and where discrimination live and exist. So what are white people going to do to save this country? And I know you're recording this now. If this makes the episode cool, if it doesn't, that's still okay. But if this makes the episode and whoever's listening to this voice, ask your white friends, what are they going to do to save this country? And if the answer is, uh, you know, support hatred, uh, support this president, this, you know, um, cabinet, this administration, if that's the answer then at least be honest about it so we know where people stand. Right. Like there's there's kind of no ways around it. Like whenever people say Black Lives Matter, people want to pivot to all lives matter. Okay. So we know where you're coming from when you do that. Yeah. So, you know, we we have to know where people stand, man. Like it's this the pussyfooting is dead. Like it's it's over. Like if you if you support if if someone says blue if someone says Black Lives Matter and you immediately pivot to Blue Lives Matter, okay, we know where you stand. You're mm-hmm. not down for the cause, <laughs> like right. it's, it's kind of that simple. So, so yeah, man, it's, it's no putting around. Well, whenever you get a chance, the the episode is raw as fuck because it literally because I kn- I knew it happened, but I also knew I couldn't. I I had to literally like kind of box myself out of it for the rest for the rest of the week until like I got off work on Saturday, and then I could really start diving into all this shit. Even though I mean I was aware, but I, I just knew if I couldn't deal with it in that moment, or I would have just fucking completely shut down and be like, "Fuck it, I don't give a fuck," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I finally started processing that shit. And then by the time I recorded that on Monday night, um, 
I, the very last thing I did was I, I, I watched the video again. And then it's just an hour of me just going over everything. It's raw. It's, 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 it's crazy, man. And then I posted it, but then Blackout Tuesday happened. So I didn't really promote it, but, but uh, it's out there whenever you want to check it out. I didn't watch the video, and so I never have plans on watching. I didn't. I didn't want to watch the video, but I felt like I had to. I had to see it for myself before I saw the pod, did the pod. And oh man, don't watch the I video. I mean, that's that's definitely video, your. Marcus. I mean, that's definitely your you know perspective. But I will legit say for your mental health, I will legit say never watch a murder video ever again for the rest of your life. And I I really Probably mean not. that from the Probably Well, no, I, like I mean it from the bottom of my soul because. You remember when the video was going around of the news reporters getting clapped? Like, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, uh, you know, that was going around on Twitter or whatever. Like, that's when I made a decision. Like, I'm never going to watch those type of videos again. So, yeah, I would just say just for your mental health, like, never watch one of those videos ever again for the rest of your life, man. Yeah. Well, I probably won't. Welcome to the Barack Obama Approved World's Greatest Podcast, Hyphen Nation. I'm your host, Kellen Conley, and in case y'all haven't heard already, I have three guests with me. <laughs> George Gerbo, uh, the Howitzer. Yes. Uh, Mike the Buzzsaw Osti is here. He's a gentleman attacking Gerbo over his iOS choices. Now he's not there. Yes, I, I said him. Am I not here? <laughs> I feel like now I'm- you're here. Yeah, I, I didn't hear. I heard silence, so I wasn't sure. And then, as always, my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson, is here. Chia, how's it Big going? Dog. Oof. There's a little wolf for you. Um, yeah, we're we're talking about uh Zoom and and how uh, MacBooks don't work and how you shouldn't operate or app update your. App stuff when new stuff comes that out because it's fantastic. all it, it, it's mine it's specifically mine you get it's okay it's, it's <laughs> not the whole they're fantastic it's all right i appreciate a little aggression just coming out at the top of the show <laughs> just it just sets the tone for what may be a back and forth battle because guys we're here to talk about um a little documentary that just finished a few weeks ago and I know we're late but I, there's a reason that I waited so long and then we're going to get into this uh, The Last Dance finally finished on ESPN it was uh, five weeks of two parts every Sunday ten parts ten hours long the I've last watched it twice at this point you've watched it twice at this <laughs> point okay <laughs> yeah. and of course it, it was the Michael Jordan doc it was a story of his last season as Chicago Bull in 1998 and everything that went with it like all the drama and everything like that basically told from Jordan's point of view so I'm going to come in with a hot ass take right off the top rope Marcus you'll appreciate Ooh. this I will I know I will go ahead Tiger King was a better documentary than The Last Dance 
Wow. That's, that's not a hot take. That's <laughs> like, not a hot take. I thought it would be. I feel like you can't compare the two. I feel like it's just totally different. Like that one's a documentary of, of a year, actually really 20 plus years. It was a really a career of Jordan. And the other one's it's a documentary, but it's of a totally different genre and of a crazy people. A of Joe Exotic. Well, I, I thought you were going to say one was a documentary, one was propaganda. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I, you could, you propaganda. know, people listening could pick and choose which one they think is which there. But yeah, I feel like you can't compare the two. Unless, unless you're just comparing the entertainment value that we received during quarantine. I mean, if you compare it for entertainment purposes, uh, yeah, Tiger King is not holding candle to Last Dance. But if you're looking at, if I had to say as far as like, you know, neutrality and, you know, sort of like journalistic integrity. <laughs> yeah. I never thought I'd say Tiger King. Wow. <laughs> better than that. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. one, I will say one of them was, well, they both in a way, but one of them pushed a narrative even more than the other. And of course, in Tiger King, you had uh, multiple narratives and multiple people pushing narratives. But it, I will say this about Tiger King, at least in comparison, even though you had multiple people pushing narratives, they all were at least freely in the documentary and able to push their narrative, even though we, we were able to leave that documentary feeling like everybody there is a bad person. Everybody there is pushing their narrative, where in The Last Dance, it was really Jordan pushing narrative and not letting anybody else get in to push their narrative. It, right. was, it was Jordan telling his story the Jordan way. And, and from what we've even heard that's come out since, I'm actually happy in a way. I mean, I was entertained by The Last Dance. But I'm kind of proud of people like Horace Grant and others that, yeah, Jordan's the GOAT, but you're not going to take crap from the man. Like, you, if, if, he, if you feel like he's lying on you, you're going to speak up. As, as you should. Because when I first saw this trailer, and along with the rest of y'all, and that was, what, two years ago, whenever they mm-hmm. dropped the trailer, and they said it'd be yeah. 2020. They dropped the trailer, and it's called The Last Dance. And as the Bulls fan that I am, I know that was the name of their last season altogether. Right, and right. I'm thinking we're going to get this well-thought-out team documentary. About the that season, has, too. About right. the season with the <laughs> yeah. greatest player ever. And then Scottie Pippen, one of my favorite players ever. As well as even down to like the Steve Kerrs, Tony Kukoc. Uh, I don't think Tex Winners will have anymore, but Phil Jackson, mm. Ryan's Dorf. Like, I thought we were going to really get to see yeah. inside all of that. And to then and then to watch it this uh here when it dropped in April or yeah, in April and May, and then we didn't have that. It it was really, like you said, all about Jordan. I loved it in the moment. I was rushing my TV every Sunday night to watch it. There was nothing that was unearthed that was shocking to me or anything like that. No, not to say not I knew it all. That's whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Robin in 72 hours in Vegas was not shocking. Okay. I didn't know that shocking how It was shocking some tidbits about it, but I didn't know it happened. And if you were going to tell me that Everyone would have believed that going in. If you would tell me that Rodman left for seventy-two hours and went on Vegas, went went that's, to Vegas. That's why it's like know. not shocking because it's just quintessential Rodman. Yeah, I mean it's just <laughs> it's just quintessential Rodman. I, I I feel like that there was. I honestly, to be honest, here, I I thought I was going to have to be the heel of the show, and Kellen being the Bulls fan was going to talk about how great the thing was. I'm not saying it wasn't an awesome documentary, but I guess I'm kind of aligned with what Kellen's saying. I don't feel like they broke any news 
at all. The entire thing, I, I pretty much knew it all except for some tidbits from the vacation, Marcus. Yeah, that's the only part that maybe had some revelations just for how ridiculous, but we would have guessed it by being Rodman. But there was nothing that wasn't known. Like even the coverage on the national stations afterwards where they're going in on Isaiah Thomas and the Dream Team and all of that, I I assumed I was in the majority, whether you're a casual fan or, or a serious fan or whatever, that everybody kind of knew this because it was so publicized. But everybody knew that story. Everybody knew the situation with Jordan and Kerr. Everybody knew a lot of these things. Like a lot of these things have been spoken on mm-hmm. by all of these people for years. The only thing that I find funny now that's happened, Kellen, and I'll, I'll actually give the floor here after I say this because I think, Kellen, you really enjoy this. I could argue that since everything was already known and was already out there, and this basically became the Jordan narrative doc more than the actual documentary of the last answer that last season, it was about his whole career. And it was clearly from his perspective that we already knew everything. So this almost ends up with egg on Jordan's face. I mean, in a way, obviously people may respect him more as a player, but after the documentary, I would imagine Jordan might even be sitting there kind of surprised that these guys who were always below him, that they all, that they always were sitting underneath the throne of Jordan, Horace Grant and Pippen and Rodman and Steve Kerr and all these guys, even if they start out by saying Jordan the GOAT, we respect him, then they're going to come on TV and say Jordan lied there. That's totally not true. That's a lie. Isaiah Thomas is doing the media car wash talking about what's true and what's not true. And then we get audio that proves Jordan was lying when he says he had nothing to do with Isaiah Thomas not being on the dream team. And then there's audio where Jordan's talking about how he shouldn't have been on the team. Like Jordan's being proven to be what people thought maybe in which he pushes narratives and that he maybe is a liar. Jordan really does look worse from this documentary. Whereas if he didn't do this documentary, everybody would have already known how great he was and known all these stories. But now these people are pushing back and they wouldn't be out there pushing back and talking about this. If there wasn't the last dance on TV for, for a month and a half. So, and it's not really making him look good in a way, which is what he said. He did not want the outcome to be, but that is in a way the outcome because I did, it almost makes you look a little bit like, I don't care how great you are, but number one, nobody really likes liars and number just, two, just, especially, just say, he looks like a dick. Just say it. He look. Michael Jordan comes off like a dick. <laughs> but the thing is, though, we're not even surprised that he would come off like a dick. My problem mostly is just the pure lying, because I think like the Isaiah Thomas situation is what he looks the worst on. Because yes, he admits Isaiah Thomas is the second greatest point guard and all of that, but. Uh, ESPN later releasing audio that shows him literally saying exactly what he said in the documentary that he didn't say that it, why would Jordan care so much to just bold face blatantly lie to our face? That makes you look really wimpy, really chintzy. And I don't think anyone would respect that regardless of his level of play on the basketball court. Like he would have been better off saying nothing. It's, it, it, I mean, that, that it, he literally like we're living in a world right now where people, if they speak, they got to be careful with what they say. And sometimes when they put your foot in your mouth, you're better saying nothing like Drew Brees was better saying nothing than saying what he said. Michael Jordan would have been better saying nothing than saying what he said because he's been proven to be a liar. Everything is going to get unearthed these days. But even if right. even if he's lying, it's like sometimes it's lies, intentional lies to manipulate his end means like that story. Well, what does the up, serve? What does it serve him? I because he's super ultra competitive. They ran that thing where he shamed that poor bullets kid um, because he he dared, you know, say good game, Michael, to him. Brad, and then Bradford we don't Smith. need. They're, say, 
the Bradford Smith. Yeah. And we don't even know. They said, no, nah, Michael made it up. But did he make it up? We, I don't know. I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't figure out what the truth was there. Uh, so, yeah, probably, he made it up. Yeah, David, David Aldridge said he Aldridge made said it he up. made it up. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, George's boys are not shying away. I mean, the only person that kind of dug himself a hole a little bit, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to later, is Pippen. Because Pippen co- Pippen's the only one that cooperated with what Jordan said in some things. But, yeah, he, Everyone just is digging Jordan that hole. I don't. I don't think it changes his resume on the basketball court, but it kind of it makes him look more like a dick and a liar. And I feel like nobody would be talking about any of these negative things with Jordan, and he basically was Teflon. Nobody would ever bring anything up negative with him prior to this, and now he just he's just lying out of nowhere. Like I don't know what the lying is. Like, <laughs> just the, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. His his story without lying is good enough. You don't need to lie. I would have respected Jordan more if he would have went on there and say, "Yeah, Isaiah Thomas is the second greatest point guard of all time." Absolutely, but Isaiah Thomas is a jackass, and I didn't want him on the team, and I'm better than him, so I made the decision for us, and other people who were with me backed it, and that's it. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas, you don't have a gold medal because you got screwed in 1980 and couldn't play on that team either because of politics. That's right. I screwed you over because you know what I think, he's thinking in his head. He's thinking I think that. I think he couldn't do that because it, I don't think it was just Jordan, honestly. I think literally every person did not want Isaiah. Sure, no, yeah, it wasn't just him. But like, oh, Matt, him and Magic had big problems. Try, but why did Jordan really care to want him? <laughs> Yeah, and that looks bad. Like, if I'm Isaiah Thomas, I would be mostly pissed at Chuck Daly more than Jordan. Your, that's coach, coach. your coach don't yeah. want you on the team. I know, that's insane. But, like, I guess, Marcus, why did – it wasn't just Jordan's decision, even though he's a top dog. But why does Jordan go out of his way to say that it wasn't his decision at all when that's a lie? Why couldn't he just say, yeah, I'm involved? I, just, I don't know. He, he gambles. Who knows? Like, maybe he was gambling that no one would catch the lie. Like, he's just lying. <laughs> oh, yeah. We should start betting on who, how many lies he has. Make a lot of cash. Oh, the old I, one. I think even he even looks horrendous in the, in the rivalry with Charles Barkley. I was watching yesterday uh, an interview with Charles Oakley did with Chris Broussard about that. And Charles Oakley tried to defend Jordan there and say Barkley – Barkley's, you know, worried about things that shouldn't be worried about. But all it comes down to is Jordan doesn't like being criticized, even when it's true. Like, come on. It's like Jordan's like 15 years old. It, it is. And what a lot of what this doc did was remind me of his retirement speech, because all he did every chance he got, whether it was Scotty, whether it was Horace, whether it was Coo coach, whether it was. Yeah, um yeah, and yet any Poor any Tony rival coach. hit. Freaking Luke Longley couldn't get in the damn documentary. He was. I was mad. I was mad. Luke Longley wasn't. <laughs> but all he did was just just all he did was just take shots the whole documentary, and there was some real honest moments in it. Like when he said, "I never asked these guys to fucking do anything else that I wouldn't do," yeah. which was a big moment for him. He got teary eyed. That felt genuine. There was a lot of genuine yeah, Jordan there was, moments. There, there were some genuine moments. Yeah, the sure. Isaiah Thomas stuff was befuddling. I had no idea why I sat there and said no when I knew it to be true that he kept <laughs> he was part of the reason he's kept off the dream team. And Magic Johnson, another reason that Isaiah was kept off the dream team. And then the whole horse grant. Yeah, thing Magic was, was part of that too, and at least Magic owns it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the whole horse grant thing with him being Sam Smith's a source in the Jordan yeah. rules. Yeah. I've read the Jordan rules front to back 15 times. And I will tell you. That every one of those players on that 91 Bulls team was talking to right, freaking Sam yeah. Smith. Yeah, the whole Jordan, NBA, I mean, yeah. Pippen, Grant, Paxson, BJ Armstrong, Tex Winter, um, you you name it. They were talking to Jerry Krause. They were all talking to Sam Smith at different points. Yeah. So and Sam Smith had access. 
And so for him to just all of a sudden be like, he's the reason that book came out. And that that's when people started really being mean to me. Like when they found out about my gambling and how much, how much of a bad teammate I was. I mean, you punched Will Purdue in the face, dog. Like, come on. <laughs> Okay, Jack, this is a We Should Do This Again sometime podcast ad take one. In a world where laughter was king. No in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of podcast. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... No, I don't think so. In a land before time. Jack, this is a cartoon movie, and we may get to it if you use that. Uh, can you say We Should Do This Again sometime was hosted by Kat Chinetti and V. Mark Rob, please? One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What, what does that mean? When everything you know is wrong. Okay, bro, that's enough. We should do this again sometime with Cat and Mark coming to a podcast app near you. Someone get this guy out the booth, please. No, I like it in here. It's also to the fact that the, another thing that this unearthed about Jordan is not only is he a liar and wants to push his own narrative, which I guess everyone with an ego and gets to that level kind of does, which is fine. We can tolerate that. But the other issue, I, I agree. Jordan's the GOAT for sure. He's the greatest of all time. He has that resume. However, this is weird to say. I almost feel like that even though people are still going to, who think prior are still going to agree that he's the GOAT, and he probably did get more people to feel that way that there were maybe younger fans than before, which maybe is his goal as well. However, I think actually LeBron oddly comes out of that kind of looking good in yeah. a way in that debate because the other part of it is it also shows, and I'm not talking about the difference of them socially because that also made Jordan look bad where he basically said, yeah, I didn't care to speak up for this politician. Like Jordan looked like a dick again. He's like, I don't care to speak up here, but I'm going to go ahead and lie over here. Play like people by Jordan's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, like he didn't defend that at all, but he's lying about everything else that he spent three hours on two different episodes that he's still defending the Isaiah Tom. I thought I, I thought I was hallucinating one night that we're still in the same episode. All of a sudden, it's still him talking about that, and we transition episodes already because I watched them back to back. But right. it makes LeBron look good because. It shows that LeBron is being criticized more. LeBron doing it in the social media age is worse. He's dealing with more buffoons. He's having every one of his movements in terms of even his level of play is getting criticized and hated on more. Jordan was was heralded for scoring 60-plus points in a playoff game in which his team lost. If LeBron scores 60-plus points in a playoff game in which his team loses, he is blasted by every single national outlet, by Skip every Bayless single national boy. talking hood, by Skip Bayless. Even <clears throat> people on Twitter, they're blasting LeBron. And all with Jordan is, oh, he couldn't win until he got help, until Pippen got better and they got him help. With LeBron, anytime he gets help, well, he couldn't win unless he gets help. LeBron gets unjustly criticized, whereas Jordan never got criticized for any of the same stuff. And all this documentary did is highlight it all anyone sitting there like it, it just made it look ridiculous for skip bayless to criticize lebron because he he leads in every single category but loses a playoff game and then go ahead and defend that with jordan i mean it just made it look even more ridiculous than it was so i think it kind of stands out that lebron's had to put up with more crap because of the error he's playing in when in reality again jordan now Six championships, six finals MVPs, but he didn't start winning rings until everybody else started playing better around him. He didn't start winning rings until some other until teams, rivals of his got on the triangle. Yeah, and still until he had he didn't win he didn't win one ring 
without Scottie Pippen. He didn't win one ring without Phil Jackson. When he retired and had his little brief respite to go play baseball, Scottie Pippen took that Bulls team pretty deep in the playoffs and almost after Game 7 into the Eastern Conference Finals. After they left in 98, where the last dance a little shuts off because Jordan wouldn't want to talk about it anymore, Scottie Pippen goes ahead and has multiple playoff runs, almost takes the Trailblazers to the Finals without Jordan. Like, it, Jordan needed some help, too. Criticizing LeBron because he can't do it alone is just ludicrous, and I think this highlighted all the entire fact that to win a title, you need a team, not an individual, and Jordan's not perfect. Like, he's not literally black Jesus. He needed help, and it maybe the teammates that he had were better, and maybe he didn't need to go leave to another team to win rings in his prime because he had all the horses with him, and Kellen, I know we've had talks about this before, and you blame Jerry Krause for breaking it up, and I'm not saying he didn't break it up, but <clears throat> Jordan, I don't think, gives enough respect to Jerry Krause as much of a heel opinion as this might be. Every time Jordan needed something, he got it, and Jerry Krause got it for him. Every time LeBron wanted something and he's complained that he needed more help here, more help there, everyone told him to shut up and dribble and you don't need more help. You already got enough. Jordan got every single piece he needed all the time and had multiple Hall of Famers on that roster for several of those ranks. And that highlighted it all on the last dance. That is, uh, that's, I mean, it's, that's very true. So um, I'm going to pass it over to Marcus here. Marcus, how do you feel about Jerry Krause's portrayal in the whole film, considering that he passed away a few years yeah, ago and couldn't be a part of it? I mean, there's something that is something that's, there's a part of me that wants to say something stinks about Thorne Dorton and the Dead Man, like flat out. Mm -hmm. yeah. But like, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. Like Jordan is definitely a lot of propaganda in this documentary, but that's <laughs> not one of it. Like, <laughs> like that's how they honestly <clears throat> felt about that man, and yeah. they, they in themselves, they didn't really give him enough credit. But at the same time. This is a guy who has, at that point in time, you know, the you know people praising the greatest basketball player ever, people praising Pippen as the greatest number two ever, the greatest coach ever, like winning consecutive you know yeah. championships, and the ego that he has to say, even if you win eighty two games and win a championship, we're not bringing <laughs> your coach back. Like that is something that is indefensible that he could not say. Right. You know, even if he was alive, like. The explanation for him explaining that away has to be, you know, uh, Phil Jackson has new pictures of him or something like that. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 yeah, that was crazy. But is it? I feel like Ronsdorf gets let off the hook a little bit, though. It wasn't just about making comments like that and making decisions like that. He hundred percent does. So if Ryan, like Ryan, could have just fired him and kept the kept everyone together and and let Kraus go, but he he didn't. So. You know, there's a lot of kind of scapegoating on Kraus, and maybe because you know the relationship between Ryan'sdorf and Jordan is maybe a bit closer than what the documentary, you know, kind of kind of lets on. Um, but yeah, man, I think the way they threw Kraus under the bus. Like, I mean, we 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 definitely give praise to to Jerry West, you know, for everything he's built for his long career post, you know, actually playing. I mean, God. but it's basically, to my eyes, it's basically. Jerry West and uh, Kraus, yeah, as, mm -hmm. as ones and two basically. Yeah. So they, they they shit on him so much and they make fun of him <laughs> so much in this documentary. Yeah. It's really hard to appreciate the fact that 
Don't he smoke did. on your growth. Like, come on. Yeah, like <laughs> the the fat jokes and the short jokes were a bit gratuitous. Like that's where I'm okay with you, man. Jerry Jerry broke up this team. Jerry, if you want to keep repeating that into the ground, even though he can't defend himself, fine. But like, man, they went all in on like you got to air every single time Jordan called him short and fat. Like every time because <laughs> it certainly I, felt like it. I mean, and also to the fact of every time there was a little blurb that could be a compliment. Like, for example, Jordan did admit Charles Oakley was my boy, but Krause ended up making the right decision by by trading Charles Oakley, which was controversial at the time, and nobody liked it even in Chicago at the time. But that ended up working out clearly, and Jordan for 20 seconds will say, yeah, you know what, that worked out. If it had to be a compliment about how Krause, he broke the team up, but he also built the freaking team that he's a Hall of Fame builder and built Jordan. He gave... Athletes today and athletes really ever, they want to win, but they want to have an ownership that wants to win as much as they want to win and will do anything that they can to help them win. Jerry Krause did everything he could to help Jordan win. He broke it up at the end, but uh, prior to that, I mean, I don't, there really was nothing else that anyone could have asked of that man. I mean, he, he's, he's answering every freaking wish. It just was interesting that every time there was a compliment to be paid, it was a quick blurb that if you went to the bathroom, you missed it. If there was a way to, to bash him, they had clips of them all bashing him. And it wasn't like Krause was making every one of these decisions on his own. Right. Like it's, it's interesting to me that Jordan and Pippen in particular, and Pippen in particular, because obviously he, he didn't get paid to what he should have got paid for as a top 50 player and, and his level of play, at least in the early end. I he, have something he, I, to say about that one here in a second. Go ahead. Yeah, Mike. but I, I, I get his issue money-wise. Um, but they all love everybody else involved with the Bulls brass. Like, it's unbelievable. They love Reinsdorf. They even love Rod Thorne from the beginning. They love everyone else. They hate Jerry Krause. It was not like Jerry Krause was God and was just unilaterally making these decisions. He had a boss, too. He had people he was talking with, too. Reinsdorf was in these decisions. He was well aware of the 82-0 comment. He was well aware of everything. If Reinsdorf didn't want to have that be the situation, he could have forced it to keep on moving, or he could have trumped Jerry Krause. And Reinsdorf made comments in the last stance even saying that the reason why i supported it is because i knew these guys were getting older the value wouldn't be there later so i wanted to get the peak value well let me put you this way ron so if you were wrong steve kerr won multiple titles later as a role player on multiple other teams with the spurs after the fact pippen led a trailblazer team that was pretty deep and got better than the blazers had been for 10 years after the fact rodman was done sure but there was still value out of these guys, and for one more year in a in a strike shortened season with a lockout where you're playing half the year, and the Knicks are getting out of the East for crying out loud as an eight seed, you guys could have crawled out of there one more year and got another shot at it that would have been historic. So it wasn't just Krause for Ron right. to cooperate all that. And those why do those guys love him when he made the same decisions? That's that's what I find interesting. But sidebar back to Pippen. Um, Pippen signed a rookie deal when he he came in the league in 1987, right. and Scotty's whole thing was a touchdown to Doc that his dad had this crippling disease, and I think his, maybe his brother, someone else, uh, was very sick. Scotty had this super fear that coming from a small town and everything and yeah. all of a sudden he's he's an NBA player he's playing next to one of the greatest players of all, all time he had this huge fear that at any moment something major could happen to him and so Scotty whined about his contract and Scotty whined about his contract and finally after the 91 season 
they said, all right, we're going to extend you, but we're going to give you this long ass contract that doesn't end until 1998. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pay you all this money, but it looks good to you in 1991 when you're only so when you're young and you won a championship and you're just happy to have a contract in front of you. They gave him this long ass contract, all this money spread out. And then from there he kept getting better and the bulls kept getting better and his money stayed exactly the same because he wanted to have guaranteed money because he was so afraid that it wouldn't happen to him. And then by the right. time 97 rolls around and 98 rolls around, then he's back to I'm underpaid. I'm underpaid. I'm underpaid. And it's like, yeah, you were Scotty, but if you don't recall, you're the one who cried <laughs> about your rookie deal because right. you're afraid something's going to happen to you because of your family history. So I can never really get behind Scotty saying he's underpaid because he made that choice as a young man to sign that contract, and yeah, the Bulls could have renegotiated it at some points, and he just never did. Ronsdorf was always, or Ronsdorf and Krauss were always known for being cheap. I mean, Jordan was one of them. Uh, was underpaid for years and years and years until like his last two seasons when he did those one-year deals for like $30 million. So I always find that interesting whenever Scotty is brought up. But to go from Kraus not taking all the blame over to Reinsdorf, um, Reinsdorf even says finally in the last episode when they show when uh, Jason Hare uh, shows Jordan the iPad and he's like, this is what Reinsdorf said. And Jordan's like, I've never had an explanation for this. And it's like, eh, really, Mike? What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And then Reinsdorf says, we knew, like I you said, Ron those guys are getting old. Somebody. That's what I'm saying. He got some naked pictures. Like he got, uh, them. He, he might, he might. <laughs> Reinsdorf's like, those guys are getting old. Um, I even reached out to Phil and said, look, we'll bring you back, but we're going to start rebuilding because we can't, we, we do not want to pay all these guys for another year. I, I mean, of course, there was no plan for a lockout then. I mean, it was looming, but there was no guarantee that the lockout would last like it did. So they did not want to pay those guys for another year. They wanted to bring back Phil. Reinsdorf did. He wanted to bring back Jordan. Scotty was going. I don't think there was any way to get Scotty mm-hmm. to come back, no matter what. Even Phil and Mike were still there. Scotty was going to find his way out of there. I don't know if they would, but I don't know if they didn't. To be honest with you, though, if you have Jordan come back and a whole cast of characters around him that aren't the same cast of characters that are younger that he's going to get pissed at, you don't have a clear number two because you just have maybe like a three you're saying is a two, unless they somehow really pulled off that Tracy McGrady trade, but that would have been a rookie McGrady. He might not have been ready yet. He took a couple years to get going. I, I don't know if that Bulls team would have been close to as good as before, and even though they might have come out of the East because the, the Knicks did out of, as the A seed, Jordan probably would have then ended up in jail and would have really hit someone or something. I, that would have been a bad. I don't think Jordan would have liked that season. If what you no, he he would have probably retired still. But um, yeah, Phil said no, and then ultimately that's when they made the Tim Floyd hire, and then history was written the way it was. So <clears throat> to pass it over to, to Gerbo over here, um, Phil Jackson is probably the only other person in this documentary who looks as good as Michael throughout the whole mm. film. Oh, um, what did what did you think of Phil's portrayal in The Last Dance? I'm honestly, I kind of wanted to hear more from him because, you know, everything we didn't get, they touch on the Zen thing at the beginning and then the burning (laughs) of the papers at the, at the end, but they, you know, I just kind of like what made this work because then he go, you know, obviously you see what he does and he goes to, to Los Angeles and does what he does there. Like what about him? makes him so dynamic as the greatest coach, arguably, in NBA history. Um, so I thought he came out, you know, pretty well in this. I just thought when they went to him for bites, they weren't as kind of detailed as I was expecting them to be. You heard a lot from Jordan. I would have liked mm-hmm. to heard more from Pippen personally. Um, 
you, you touch on the iPad thing and like it was cute at the beginning. And quite frankly, by the time I got to like episode six and seven, like I'm getting like pissed that they're letting Jordan respond to all this shit. Like Gary Payton, the glove. I didn't have no trouble with the glove. I'm like, fuck you. I see them watching the highlights, you know, <laughs> like, like I see you. I see you have trouble with Gary, but you know, like, it's, just, also just like it's, not, it's not embarrassing. Like the thing is that I don't, I don't think that there is yeah, like you won the title. Just admit that like Gary Payton got me in game four or whatever it was. No, he can't even do that. <laughs> so I, I don't think Jordan gets too that like nobody now, nobody, not anyone alive. Everyone may think Jordan's the goat in his eyes and majority probably do, but nobody in the world thinks Jordan is literally perfect. There was going to be a moment in certain games. Like Jordan even tried. This is one of the things that Jordan flat out lied. And this you was won't the even thing. admit it is the thing. Like, yeah, and it's like been, and, and it's Gary, 20 years, you won the titles. Everybody loves you. Just be like, man, Gary got me in that game, but we got the ring. No, he's still pissed off with these people. Off. Well, really, you know who looked bad in that series? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania's own George Carl looked like he didn't know how to coach. Oh, I mean, he had a three Oh lead in the series or he had a three, he had three Oh deficit in the series. Did the Sonics. Jordan because had a three Oh lead to him at that restaurant. Cause they both went well, to well, forget the talking. That's gotta Payton, be a lie. Too, George <laughs> by saying that George Carl refused to let Gary Payton guard Jordan prior to game four. It's like, you're telling me that we're in the NBA finals right now. You're going up against a Bulls dynasty. You got a squad with one with a great team, but only one Hall of Famer. Your Hall of Famer is known for defense as well as offense, even if Jordan doesn't want to give him credit. Jordan's talking smack. He's talking smack. You want entertainment as well. And you don't let this man even get a look to do a guard and put his hand in anyone's face. It's Jordan until game four when it's over. Either George Carl has a personal problem with Gary Payton or he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Like, that's insane. Like, that doesn't, that, that made George Carr look bad. It, it, that's why he hasn't won a championship. He didn't know what he's going down once you get to the playoffs. Like, yeah, that, that basically crapping on Gary Payton made no sense. Like, no one thinks Gary Payton's better than Jordan, but he's certainly a Hall of Famer. That didn't make sense to me. But then there was even the moment that, that Jordan sold in, the, in one of those playoff series where he went to Vegas and came back late, and it was that, e, that, that East, uh, East Finals game. And Jordan and every even everybody else was like, yeah, man, you know what? It, it, everyone else would get criticized for this. I know LeBron would get criticized for this now, but you know what? It's no big deal when it's Jordan because he came out there and bought out the next day and we won. And you look at the stat line, it's like, no, Jordan, you had nine points. You were like four from 30. You were awful. You clearly were drunk and hung over. What the hell are you talking <laughs> about? You didn't even, you won the game because Scottie Pippen balled out who you don't give credit to again. Like you're the best ever, but you sucked in a game because you were out until six in the freaking morning. What are you talking about? Did y'all hear George Carl's reason they lost the 96 finals that came out no. like late last year? No, what was it? Here, here's the quote. I lost that series on a technicality. Our second game in the series was in Chicago. It was a night game. It started late. It was an NBA game. It was long. We played well, but we didn't play well enough to win and we lost. For some reason, I decided to fly home after the game in my opinion, that cost is a series. Carl continues to explain they had some flight issues, had to stop in Montana to refuel, oh, and they arrived in Seattle at 5 a.m., and that <sighs> completely messed up the team's sleep pattern, and the next game was Sunday at noon. The Sonics looked tired and flat in that game, and Carl sees his decision as the cause of that. So, 
not on like it wasn't that it was the 72 and 10 bulls and it was the fact that if they had just waited till sunday to go home or the the night after instead of going home <laughs> right after the game if they had waited till morning to go home that would have swung the whole series and the Sonics would have upset the Bulls in yeah, 96. That's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, that's just a situation where the Sonics were a great team, but they ran in, they ran into a buzzsaw. And they, they, a lot of these teams in the 90s, they were really, really good, the Jazz as well, and they just picked the wrong time to get good. Like, for example, if the Jazz would have made the finals in 99 instead of 98 and 97, they would have certainly beat the Knicks. Are you kidding me? It just it, it ended up being the wrong time for them. But I don't know if George Carl was asleep, and that's why he didn't slide Gary Payton in as the guy guarding Jordan. He's probably trying to argue that, that was a great decision of his to get him a game. But yeah, I mean, that's just insane. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't. That's just like Jordan can't give anybody else credit for anything. The people in the world are the worst when if something goes right, it's all them. They get all the credit. If something goes wrong, it's everybody else. I did nothing wrong. Look at everybody else sucking, and that's why we lost. And that's how Jordan comes off. That's annoying. Yeah. That's all. Marcus, um, as the documentary progressed, was there anybody that you were hoping we'd see more of, um, or at least get more screen time in the story of the Bulls, or did you kind of know what the fucking vibes was by the time episode one was done? (laughs) Man, we needed more cocaine circus stories, man. (laughs) Talk Talk about lies. Okay, so... You know, <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna accuse Michael Jordan of doing hard drugs. That's not what I'm about. <laughs> that was about for that. I was like, oh, we got a sound, but we should throw it ESPN. I think we'll go viral here if Mark isn't gonna accuse him of doing cocaine. That's so he's saying he walked into this hotel room and it's all this wild ass shit. So he got the coke, we got the we got the line sniffers, we got the drinkers, and we got the we got the honeys. You're Definitely. saying you're telling me <laughs> that Michael Jeffrey Jordan didn't want one of those three. Not a he, he didn't want he didn't want nothing. Okay, okay, Air Jordan. Which okay. one do you think he got? Oh, he I, mean, the the honey I mean, the honeys. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it could be two out of three. Jordan doesn't have to be one out of three. I would just go for the honeys. So I mean, it, it could be we three out there. We know how you roll. <laughs> I think but, George could handle those honeys. <laughs> it's also fair. It's also fair. I think we needed more, definitely more Dennis Rodman stories. Being Dennis Rodman, like it was obvious that if anyone was not going to come back after that sixth title, it was Rodman. Right. But goddamn, like we needed more. We needed more. Uh, you know, seventy-two hour in Vegas trips. Like we needed. <laughs> I watched a whole film just on Rodman. I know they already did it on the Thirty for Thirty, and I know he was heavily involved in the Bad Boys one too. So Rodman's been in—he's he's pulled the trifecta. But I, I'd I'd watch the triangle. I'd watch, I'd watch ten part on just Rodman. Wow. I think out of guys that came out looking well, I think Rodman comes out of this looking good. I know I know he had the alcohol problem, and I know that he was a pain to deal with, and I know his personal life and the craziness. But let me put it to you this way: this dude and Isaiah Thomas has said this. Not only is he a, he's a five-time champion, he's the greatest rebounder of all time, but back in the day, he was winning rings, getting 17 rebounds a game, making $800,000 a year. He then decided to dye his hair, put a wedding dress on, and start dating Carmen Electra and every other model around, and he had 17 rebounds a game and was winning championships and making mm-hmm. $17 million a year. This dude was a marketing sensation who might be the smartest marketer ever. You got to be kidding. I mean, that, that was fantastic. He did nothing different all of a sudden making way more money because he arguably was more famous than even Jordan in those couple years. Well, I, I mean, I, maybe I've lived in, I've lived in San Antonio for about three years. 
I literally cannot imagine Dennis Rodman living in this one course. Him and David Robinson playing together. Like, come on. like he must have set this motherfucker on fire when he came here, man. <laughs> like that's wow. what started. Like the only thing that I want for Christmas is a ninety-one. Uh, Rodman jersey, like that's all I want for Christmas, man. Bulls oh, one, man. But I mean, for like a serious tip, I mean, like I don't necessarily think that I wanted more players specifically because it was either going to be players that he beat that were going to be like, yeah, we got our asses kicked, whatever, whatever. Right. Um, I know that they approached. I know Longley got approached, and I think Longley declined. I know they approached Malone, and Malone declined. I yeah, don't want to mess with Carl Malone. Well, Malone's <laughs> sound bites are awful. Somebody asked him in an interview after the last dance, and what he thinks of Michael Jordan, and he said, "Well, when I hear Michael Jordan's name, I I think Michael Jordan. He's Michael Jordan. It's like, yeah, all right, so, dude." It with his fake country accent. Yeah, it's a rough sound bite. He's a hick, though. He's like, he's fishes and does all that stuff. Oh, right? he's, he's a hick, but that that is not how Carl Malone talked when he's in the NBA. <laughs> he, he definitely did not talk like this. He'd be like, you know, <laughs> you well, John, John Hunt me with a good pass, <laughs> and I made the layup. Like that is the uh, Well, That's I am why. white. Unfortunately, I can't do it. But he he, he gave you the he. I, let me. I'll send you a link. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's bad. <laughs> yeah, for me, like I mean, because it was it was a layup piece. Like this is what this is just a a shotgun blast of nostalgia. So the only thing that would have made it better if they were just like giving away champion jerseys to viewers. Like there yeah. was nothing. I legit don't think there was. I don't think there was much more to extrapolate, especially coming from. I mean, everything was slanted. Like obviously, to get Jordan permission, there are going to be concessions that they had to make. So if this is like. You know, uh, Ezra Edelman, you know, making the Last Dance documentary, like it would have been from multiple angles, from multiple different players, but Jordan wouldn't have been a part of it. Um, yeah. So, kind of, <laughs> we kind of got what we got. Yeah. Well, and then even in, you know, they do the 95 thing with him coming back after baseball, and basically it's like, Oh, he, you know, he didn't have his basketball legs under him. And, you know, well, he just didn't have a full season under his belt. Like, if he's the greatest basketball player ever, then he should have been able to will them into the finals. That No, he did. So they find a, I, I get it. Like, I get the practical transition from baseball back to basketball. But they found a way to kind of whitewash that and be like, oh, if he only had a full season of games and playing under him, they would have won the title that year. Just like they would have won in 98. All this conjecture shit. Like, it's just... <laughs> it was just a little the over Bulls, the top at some point. The yeah, Bulls I were like mediocre until he came back, and then he led them into the playoffs, and then they almost they came. They gave a decent series of magic. They didn't come close to be the magic, but still, no. Yeah, but to be fair to Pippen and the rest of the Bulls, they had the same team, and you just take Jordan off of it. So then, for example, let me put it this way: you, if you have Pippen and the rest of the Bulls without Jordan, that ends up being and the Horace same Grant. situation. Yeah, well, Horace Grant. That, that ends up. Grant. That ends up. Well, he eventually he was on the Magic then, but that ends up being the same thing. The Pacers had the same thing. The Knicks had the same thing. The Suns had with Barkley, where you have one Hall of Fame star and the rest of these guys circle around the axis. Jordan and the Bulls, and Jordan's better than them. But if you look at the teams, it's it. It talk about the Warriors. It's no different than when the Warriors stacked the deck and added Kevin Durant, and you had three Hall of Famers instead of two, going against two when it was the the Warriors versus the Cavs, and those three those three out of the out of the four when Durant got there, Jordan. Had a, had a Hall of Famer with him. It was two Hall of Famers and then eventually three with Rodman versus how many Hall of Famers were on the Suns besides Barkley? 
How many Hall of Famers were on the Pacers? Is Dan Marley in the Hall of Fame? I know Chris Moss was there with the Pacers in that one (laughs) on the bench. But like in terms of Hall of Famers that actually were still good and playing well into their prime, it was just those lone Rangers. And with Mm -hmm. the Knicks, it was just Ewing. So Jordan had a stacked deck in his favor and he got the job done. But the only thing that's underrated in Jordan's favor, I will say, is the baseball career. I think people underrate that historically and make fun of it all the time to transition from another sport and play baseball at even a minor league level like that after not playing baseball for 10 years and ended up with that many stolen bases ended up with an average like that, even though it wasn't good, but it certainly wasn't zero. And you end up driving in 50 plus runs. I mean, he didn't, he embarrassed himself because he's Michael Jordan, but that wasn't that bad for somebody that hadn't played in 10 years. That baseball runs a little bit underrated and that's hard to do at that level have 30 stolen bases, 50 RBI, hitting 200, but it, it's like not two, like he's hitting 102. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not that ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, that, that does lead me to believe <clears throat> if he would have played baseball in the minors another year or two, he might have got himself a cup of coffee, if not more than that. Like, the whole comparisons of who had a better baseball run than him versus Tebow or all these Instagram posts. Jordan's baseball time was not that embarrassing for somebody who only tried the craft for a few months after not right. doing for a decade. So that was kind of glossed over, but that would have made him look better if they would have spent more time on that. I actually found it really puzzling that they kind of just is like, Oh, BJ Armstrong was like, Hey, you know, do you want to come play basketball? And he's like, you know what? Let me go play some basketball. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I'm going to come back. Like, I know there's a whole lot more backstory to it. And, and Gerbo, I'm going to hand this one to you because Mm -hmm. You and I both know how heartbreaking the 1994 strike was for the Cleveland Indians because the Indians were killing shit, and then the strike happens. The Indians have several other opportunities, but yeah. (laughs) Shut up, girl. Shut up, Osti. Um, The point is, the point is, there is no mention. The uh, the 97 game seven. Shut up. There's no mention of of the baseball strike at all. And no mention of Ronsdorf. They kind of mentioned that he owned the White Sox and Jordan was a bull, but no mention of Ronsdorf squeezing the players and and being a major part of why the strike went on so long. And basically being like, once the strike happened, even with Jordan progressing and there being a possibility of Jordan eventually making it to the majors, (laughs) like there's no, absolutely no mention of, oh, the strike happened. Let me go do something else. Like, how do you just leave out that entire important part after the whole night, 1994 season was canceled midway through? Yeah. And then Michael Jordan sitting around a march with nothing to do. Yeah, it was just like he, they talk about like, oh, Michael Jordan wasn't going to cross the line as a scab, so he came back and played basketball. Like, it's like, no, it's way more complicated than that. Um, and Terry Francona, you know, said to it that if he got another. 1500 or so plate appearances, which yeah. sounds like a gaudy number, but that, you know, it's a big regular thing in the minor leagues. Uh, if he got, you know, that many more plate appearances that he would have made it to the major leagues. Um, and they stuck him, you know, again, comes in and he goes straight to double a ball. And cause as Reinsdorf said, like we didn't have a facility at single a to house all the yeah. demand and the media and all the people that were going to show up there. Um, but no, his, they, 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 the labor dispute and all that could have been more of a part of it. Cause it just seems like, Oh, he kind of got bored with baseball because there was he didn't want to be a scab and cross the lines way back in the spring training portion. And, and then he just comes back to basketball because I in my part, you know, as a kid, I didn't know all the details about that. You know, he goes to play baseball. You know, he plays in Birmingham and, you know, he, he sends the facts and says I'm back. But, yeah, there was a missed opportunity there um, to get more specific into 
why did did he feel like he scratched the itch of yeah i did this i did this well enough and i made my dad proud and i feel like i've checked that box and now i can cut like you know the, the more of that decision because that's wild it's so it's just one of the most wild things in sports period nobody believes the conspiracy that he got suspended right no oh i don't know i don't uh, believe it but i will say kellen and george i don't I trust david stern well the thing is though that's that's not so, I, don't, I don't believe it but i think they should have 100 percent put more of that in the documentary if they want to be truth to what everyone believes and what, what's out there they, they they basically glossed over it and didn't add it in no he did the guy asked david stern on camera and he said no yeah, but that's so, but people don't believe just david stern off his face R.I.P. david stern so right, he's the commissioner who would, who would have suspended him. George, come and on. Some Mark, guy, and no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Marcus said I, had something I, he was going to say. I could hear him in the background. I am not oh, in no, way saying that I believe <laughs> Jordan was suspended for that, George. But are you going to tell me in the world we're living in today that David If Jordan was suspended, David Stern would never admit it. It would self-serve him to lie. You're telling okay. me you're going to... No, that's ridiculous. Oh. I'm not just going to... He's not Jesus Christ. No, like, you're they not did, just, but they didn't gloss over it. And then they asked that other guy who I can't remember what he did who worked for the Bulls, bald-headed white guy wearing glasses, can't remember who, his name... And he, they asked him, and he said it was complete bullshit too. And then they asked there's the third no guy. Gonna, there's no one going to admit it. Why would they admit it? How does that make them look? No, good? no, no. I'm, I'm addressing your point that you said they glossed over it. They did not gloss over it. They could have glossed over it, and they did not. They asked three different people. Corroborated. I don't think they spent enough time in it at all. I'm, I'm telling you right now that if David Stern saying it so does not make it so. Period. I know. It's, it's I'm not glossing. You that three different people said it, so they, they did not gloss over it. I, I, I dis- dispute. I, di- I disagree. I dispute that characterization. I, so I think it's so, 10 minutes total. So, Kellen, we need a vote. So, do you think they gloss over yes or no? I thought we got way more than I expected us to, honestly. I thought it'd be like a question. Jordan say no, and they moved on. But they, you, they gave us a. Do you agree with though, with that George's first comment that Davis turned said it, so you shouldn't talk about it anymore? I, not no, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're That's putting exactly words in my what mouth. you said. I'm just say, no, I didn't say David Stern That's said it. That's not so how George said that. It. Don't put words in my mouth. I'm just saying they did not gloss over it. They asked David Stern pointedly the question. You heard the question asked, and you heard his response. You then heard the question but asked his, to that his other. His response board. is immaterial. I don't, he's not going to lie. I'm, I, I'm telling you that they asked. They asked three different people in the I thing, watched, and I watched it. I disagree. Okay, with then they did not gloss over it. I don't agree. Now, if you wanted to spend, they, they spent plenty of time on his gambling in the Atlantic City, that type of stuff. Yeah, but, but they, it, I it, already it, touched so. on. I but I already touched on that because when they spent the time on the Atlantic City, they said that yeah, this is controversial, but it's no big deal because it's Jordan. And then he bought out the next day, which is a lie. So, like, come on. But in this case, they I, I do not believe they glossed over it. I'm just saying that David Stern's comments mean nothing to me. That's fine. That's not you what I said. You think he took the secret to his grave, Osti? I no no again again I already said this I don't believe that they I no I'm I'm not saying that I don't believe yeah. there was a conspiracy and that he was punished like Pete Rose but they glossed over it I'm just saying that if that did happen David Stern would take it to his grave so to have your first comment be well David Stern said it never happened well he's self-serving so it's irrelevant what David Stern says to me they could literally have not put him in it would have been the same he's not going to ever admit it I'm not saying I believe that, but it's just that would be like saying OJ said he didn't do it, so we we know he didn't do it. Like, come on, <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> I mean, no one's that's that's irrelevant. Damn. Um. All right. So, Marcus, 
back to you. I want to talk a little bit about the actual filmmaking. And I, and I know that you have a uh, podcast called uh, We Should Do This Again Sometime with uh, your co-host, uh, Kat Chinetti, and where y'all deal with movies. And I just want to say, especially since you watch so many movies, especially documentaries, you've seen plenty of sports docs. We both love Hoop Dreams. Um, and you've seen a lot of the 30th for 30s. From a movie standpoint and a documentary standpoint, like, what did you think of the, of the Last Dance on those terms? I mean, from the actual, you know, filmmaking of it, I think it was pretty solid. I think they did, we talked about how, you know, it was definitely a propaganda to it, but what I will commend them on, we talked a little bit about this, or giving the shading to Scottie Pippen as his mentality as to why he chose the long deal, even though he would have been way better served taking a shorter deal and gambling on himself. That was something about Scott that I never knew about. And also for the, I, I want to give them kudos also for the information on Steve Kerr, uh, which is yeah. something that I don't think a vast majority of NBA fans knew about no. his father. Mm-hmm. And no, that's, that's a, no, that story was completely yeah. new to me. That's that was, I, didn't, yeah. I did not know that. That was, that was fair. Yeah. And that and that actually, you know, sort of leads you to see how active politically Steve Kerr is now. So the tidbits, like Asi said, like they're tidbits that they did really well, that they pieced together really well. The uh mo the the time jumping and you know, going back and forth and not a time, that was all pretty decent. It was all pretty structured well. Um but if you're talking about like specifically a documentary where, you know, there's had to be like some level of objectiveness, like it's just kind of lacking. Like you brought up hoop dreams, like, <laughs> to, like to me, like the standard, if you're talking about like documentaries, uh, especially sports documentaries, who dreams is like the gold standard to me, who mm-hmm. dream before OJ made in America, who dreams was the greatest American documentary that mm-hmm. we created. Until OJ Made in America surpassed it. Do we do but, we agree that OJ Made in America is the best thirty for thirty ever right now? That I don't I don't, I don't I don't consider it a thirty for thirty. I, I don't think it was a thirty for thirty. Yeah. Well, it, it was, it, it was just, in the same genre. I, I yeah, I know what you're saying. It was on yeah. ABC, but it was still from the same. It's in the same genre, even though it was the first one that they did the ten part where it was on ABC and not ESPN. So it wasn't in the same quick thirty for thirty, I guess, but in that same genre. Yeah. ESPN. It's easily the best sports doc that came out of ABC, ESPN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that family, for sure. In that family, for sure. Yeah. But go ahead, yeah. Marcus. On the same token, like, there, there are other... If we don't look at specifically how well we were entertained, if we're looking at a documentary to give us information and knowledge that we can extrapolate from the subject or subjects, like... I can I, you can probably think of five thirty for thirties outside of OJ Made in America right. that gave you more information than um, you know the the last dance. Even the I think one of the most underrated ones is the the, the Vladi Divac thirty for thirty. Yeah. 100%. Oh, I, that I, was I, I learned something from. I'll tell you this: I've learned something from every single thirty for thirty in some way, and I consider myself a pretty you know advanced in terms of knowledge. It, and the last dance, I probably learned the least in. Yeah, the Kerr thing and the vacation, but all the other ones, I feel like they peeled the onion and I learned something in. So it is disappointing, I guess, which is the overlying theme here, that we didn't get more legit information that you know is out there, that if they wasn't mm-hmm. just 
narrative, it would have been out there. And, and Marcus, what I do want to ask you, though, as somebody who, like from a documentary perspective of a filmmaking perspective, do you think that they, they sliced in the sound bites and the interviews properly? And what I mean by that is when you had this topic and this segment, did they have the right person speaking on it or would you have liked to seen somebody else? Cause the example I guess I could give is when they, they did all that on Steve Kerr, but that was more from episode seven to 10 where Kerr was really involved. Granted that was more of his bulls tenure, but earlier in the doc, when they were talking about Jordan, not speaking out politically and how Republicans buy shoes too, I would have liked to hear Kerr's true opinion on that because he was a teammate of Jordan. He, we know, Know how Kerr is now being outspoken as a champion and Hall of Fame head coach of another dynasty and how Kerr feels now, what he would have thought at that time of Jordan being where he is and not saying anything, and then how he feels differently maybe now in retrospect. We did not get those takes from Kerr on that segment, so I would have liked to hear that. It's your girl, Holly Quinn, a.k.a. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, here to tell you all about it. It's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff. And if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode, Q and Slay, or Theater from Our Butts. Have a good day, puddins, and love, trust, and belief. If you... Even if you ask, uh, even if you point to that kind of question to ask, I think even, uh, I don't want to say necessarily better, but I think even if you ask Charles Barkley specifically about right. that, because it, even even as far as like level of fame and like balancing that, like, you know, Barkley out of everyone in our interview is as close to as famous as Jordan was back then. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, we know Barkley was, you know, I'm not a role model. He was a Republican. Then you swapped the Democrat, like all that stuff. So obviously this is a guy and he's obviously well outspoken or whatever, whether you kind of agree with it or not, or you think he's outlandish or not. Like, yeah, like they, they, I don't want to say they breezed through this, like as far as like different parts of Jordan's life, because there's so much that they wanted to cover. They basically covered from college up until the retirement so, so it's it was really a juggling act. Like, yeah, they like getting Kerr's opinion on that. That would have been like something strong. Getting Barkley's opinion on that. That would have been pretty strong. I mean, are but, you nervous that they didn't slice it that way because Jordan knows their opinion would have probably been negative? Or do you think they didn't want to give their opinion that was negative? Because as much as they give it now, they they don't like touching and criticizing Jordan. There are people that Jordan did so much for that they don't want to mess with him. I I I've only watched the I only watched the documentary once, but from the best of my memory, any time anything that would have come out that was potentially negative, they mostly stuck to Jordan's perspective without any mm-hmm. challenge. Exactly, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what that, I'm saying. That's and remember, Jordan owned the footage and was heavily involved in the making of the whole film and everything, other than the actual yeah. editing itself. But he knew it was going to be in there. And when the yeah, quote that's... came out before it started, that oh, this could be bad for me and stuff like that. It, I was thinking, oh, they're really going to get into this shit about I how mean he was. Say that, Kellen, but they didn't that, do that. 
cut that clip out and throw it through the entire podcast. Like while we're talking, not even as a commercial break, just Jordan was the one who was cutting this entire thing and owned the rights to the film and was going to present this <laughs> the way he wanted. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, like that's not how you make a documentary. Like that's just kind of flat out. It, like if you're, if you're only asking the subject what they feel, you have to get reactions to it. Like, I mean, if, if we ask like, you know, OJ, you know, <laughs> what are your thoughts of being on trial, OJ? <laughs> Like yeah. no, OJ. How you feel about it, not being black, OJ? If anything, <laughs> if anything, the subject's yeah. opinion—it's not necessarily the last opinion you want to have, but you need you need objective perspective. That's why Made in America was so great, though. They got everyone's opinion, and it included yeah. OJ. But they got everyone's opinion, and even the defense, the defense team, and even Johnny Cochran, and or not Johnny Cochran, but even his proteges, and and, and all of those guys, F. Lee Bailey. They gave their takes where you could kind of peel away and you could honestly, you leave that documentary and you can't even, you can't even empathize with the jury no matter what you think of the decision. So like that, you got everyone's legit perspective and can change your opinion based on what you're hearing from them and understand it at the time. There's nobody changing opinions from this, from this last dance unless they literally didn't know before. You want to know what the, the silliest shit that they actually told like half truths on it's not necessarily a lie that they told, but even when they kind of just got Jordan's mom and how, you know, they basically posed this idea that because Jordan's mom got Jordan to Nike, then bam, everything is all, all sold out <laughs> sneakers and sneaker lines and sneaker heads and all. Like, bro, like okay, if you want to bring to the table that Jordan's mom is the one who actually got Jordan in the door, that's you can build that opinion, but they left out completely that Jordan did not like the Jordan one and he hated the Jordan two, and he was about to leave mm-hmm. Mike until Tinker Hatfield saved it. Right. Tinker Hatfield, like that, like don't talk about uh, shoes too much. Ethan won't like it. I know, but if you're talking about Tinker the, came in on the three, right? Yeah, yes. if, if yeah. you're talking about the the Michael Jordan legacy with sneakers and you don't even breathe Tinker Hatfield's name into that, it's completely false. So it was just, like, they just, like I said, it was a blast of nostalgia. Like, it was a blast of going on your ride of, like, me being a kid, you know, post-Jordan winning titles and being in the I Like Mike era of sports. Like, the Olympics and the... The, um, the 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 souvenir cups from McDonald's like oh, you're going through this wild train of your childhood right. and and everyone fell for it I don't want to say fell for it like it was a jig but like, <laughs> yeah that's what I think Jordan wanted it to be that was I the mean, goal. yeah that, that's kind of the goal like we all went for the ride and it was a fun ride but that doesn't mean the roller coaster ride was intelligent it doesn't mean that you could extrapolate really sort of pieces of who Michael Jordan was or who the the Chicago Bulls were then, so they they I, left a lot on the table that they could. I have. think I think Jordan underestimated the public a little bit. I think if you would have put that documentary out in the '90s or even in the early 2000s, say before social media, then okay, everyone would watch it and say, "Man, Jordan was was black Jesus. He's the greatest. There's nothing to criticize. Everyone else is wrong. Everyone else he needed. Everyone else needed him." They would take all that away, like Jordan wanted you to take away. But Jordan put it out now, when people can literally go to just basketballreference.com, you can go all through social and media and have nothing else to watch. Like you got, <laughs> yeah, 
nothing else to watch because everyone was in quarantine at the time, which is why it was put out then and not later. But everyone in the brother has an ability to research things, to find things out. Nobody can break news anymore. Something's going to get bloggers are breaking news. Like you're not going to be able to hoodwink the public if you're flat out lying now. Like maybe you could have been the 90s. That's the problem. Well, like, and, th- and, this and, isn't the and, time. And to tie that to kind of like Marcus's point is, you know, anybody can make a Jordan documentary. The unique twist about this was that of this footage that they recorded in 1998. And I don't and I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm desensitized to the fact that we just have behind the scenes access now and we didn't 20 years ago. But like, I wouldn't say I was amazed by any of it just because that's how I expect a behind the scene, you know, every team does their own. The Penguins do one, uh, yeah. war, you know, Warriors, all these teams do their own behind the scenes internal stuff now. It was revolutionary for, at that for, time. For, for, for 19, yeah, time. for 1998, it was profound. We just didn't get to see it then. Um, so the cinema, like, you know, the stuff on of them on the plane and this and that, um, it's kind of mostly benign. You get to see him in the locker room, you know, preparing and all that. But the more striking one was like him just sitting on the couch in that hotel room, you know, just yes. having a beer like that's like, yeah. OK, this is our hero in a position we've not seen him before. Him sitting in the locker room holding a bat like or whatever it was like that, just like, OK, that's that fits the narrative. But like seeing him kind of like struggle a little bit, you know, I could have used more of that. Now, maybe there wasn't that in the footage, but like it was that was some of the more eye opening stuff to me, not just, OK, here they are on the plane. Here they are on the bus. Here they are, you know, shitting on Jerry Krause again like that. I kind of figured we'd get, but seeing him kind of in moments of vulnerability was, and hearing him cry, hear, hearing the sounds of that picture that we all know of him hugging the trophy in the locker room. Oh my God, yeah. that was rough. Um, yeah. On, on the ground, like that, like that stuff was the most moving to me, seeing him vulnerable. Yeah, and I actually think the early part of the documentary, the early Jordan career, when you see him hitting the shot in North Carolina and then going through the Pistons and, and dealing with being the Lone Ranger, what, Others have had to deal with certainly other other Hall of Famers. I mentioned LeBron had to deal with that early in his career, too, where he's scoring 60, but they're not winning and then gets the Pistons and getting beat up and being skinny and having to build himself up and then so on. And his father passing away. And yeah, that was certainly moving. And you get to see that story of perseverance. I mean, that is a great lesson that people can take away. And and that was an emotional scene as someone who's, whose father's pa- passed away and knowing, you know, doing it for your dad almost in a way like at the beginning. I think Jordan looks worse and worse as the career goes on. Basically, the early Jordan is, is, a, is, a, is a hero. And then he almost became a tragic hero towards the end. And I think that indirectly, like right out, I mean, I don't want to Right after his father passed away, it felt like it almost like revved up the engines with him being more of it is singular focus. It is championships. I don't care who who gets in the way. And maybe that's how he won all those in a row. But like it made you could take out of this and, and almost indirectly, even though he was trying to make certain people look bad like Jordan and the Bulls. For sure. And they even had their little interviews in the bad boys and they tried to do this there, even though they, they couldn't get too much of it in because it wasn't their show. But they try to make the Pistons look bad. They try to, 100%. They, they hate the, the, the bad boy Pistons. They try to make him look bad. They want everyone else in the public to say, we're the Bulls. We were trying to get over them. They're beating us up. It was unfair. We had to conquer the demon. And then they're the bad guys. We're the good guys. You should have rooted for us. 
when in reality, a lot of that's not necessarily fair. I mean, that's how the NBA was then. They had to play that way to get in the middle of all those dynasties and all those great players. Isaiah Thomas did not have as many Hall of Famers around him as Magic Johnson had around him, as Larry Bird had around him, as Jordan eventually had around him. They all had two or three Hall of Famers around them. Isaiah Thomas did not have that cast of characters. He had any of the microwave Johnson in the Hall of Famer. There's a couple. My point is, there's a couple others. It was I don't, not, don't know it if was, he is or not. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> he, he he had Rodman, um, and he had um, Dantley. He had Dantley, who then who was traded before the title team. So he had a yeah, few. Yeah, for Yeah, so he had Dantley. Dantley's in the Hall of Fame. They traded the DC guy. I'm sad about that. Yeah, but yeah. he didn't. He didn't. Um, he didn't have as many Hall of Famers around him in terms of the title teams. He didn't have as much of a stacked crew as those other guys had. And the other end of it is. The other end of it is, and I don't know, again, I mean, this maybe has some racial connotations here, but the bad boy Pistons get blasted for walking off that court and Isaiah ducking under Bill Lambeer and not shaking the hands. It is the identical thing that Larry Bird and the Celtics did to the Pistons before. It is exactly the same, and no one talks about it <clears throat> at all. I bet you the casual fan doesn't even know it happened and still doesn't know because they glossed over it in the documentary, except Isaiah Thomas brings it up here or there. But the the, the Celtics walked off before that game was over when the, when the Pistons finally eliminated them. They walked off. I think McHale shook hands, and that's it. Larry Bird is Larry Bird was in the shower before they were at Triple I D. I never realized that happened until this doc. So that's something I did learn. Because I saw that footage of like that aggressive high five that, that uh, McHale and Isaiah had on midcourt, which is when mm-hmm. they kind of forced them to shake hands. Never knew the Celtics walked but, but out here's, on them. But here's my problem. And this is what Marcus was saying about Jordan's going to set the narrative so you're not going to get the right interviews because it's Jordan. That's true. That You got Isaiah to finally say that. He finally defend himself and said that that happened. I want to hear Jordan defend that because you showed him an iPad with this happening. Jordan, what do you have to say? The exact same thing happened to Isaiah Thomas before that. And because it happened to you, you screwed him out of the Olympics. You basically ruined his life in terms of personal perception. And you're still picking on the man 30 years later. The same thing happened to him. Should he be mad at Larry Bird still? Jordan, I'd like to hear your answer. But that didn't happen because it's Jordan's narrative. That's what's crap. Like, that's bullshit. That was the same. Isaiah Thomas, I think, looked good because I legitimately think it's like almost Jordan's bullying him to the, to this point. I mean, it's been 30 years of bullying. Like, he, he deserves to be in that circle of Hall of Famers that Jordan lets everybody else in from that period, whether they won rings or not. Isaiah Thomas had to come through all those hurdles to get those back-to-back rings. He, With his size, he had to overcome tons of adversity. He should have been on the 80 Olympic team, but he wasn't because the U.S. didn't even go at all. Like, Isaiah Thomas has got screwed on a few different counts, and Jordan is still picking on this man in 2020. And the, sa- the, only, the reason why is because of something that Chuck Daly administered for the team that everybody agreed upon, that then Jordan has no problem with Chuck Daly, be, even for the Jordan rules, and then for the walk-off that the Celtics did as well to the Pistons, but Jordan literally says how much he respects the Celtics for how they handled losing their run in comparison to the Pistons, which is factually wrong. Rest in peace, I- Chuck Daly. And rest like, in come peace, on. like that's just that that's where that's the most annoying part of the lies like it's just factually not correct i like i said i was really surprised to see him like jordan be like oh well that never happened and i didn't keep him off the team and those, <laughs> the bulls and the pistons hated each other they they hated each other it was 
genuine black bad blood. It was the third year in a row they were playing each other in the playoffs. And they the Bulls the Pistons barely got by in ninety. The migraine happened with Scotty. They win in ninety. And then ninety one is when the Bulls finally get over that hump and they don't just beat them, they sweep them. And I, I and it got a lot of coverage because at that time it was the conference finals, obviously again. Uh Michael Jordan had been elevated to this biggest player in the world. The Bulls had won. I mean, he was already getting there before, but the Bulls had won. They're going to their first NBA Finals, and then the Pistons just decide the worst possible time to just walk off the floor when the yeah. NBA NBC is just the first year. Like all the coverage is there. Like it, it was just bad timing because honestly, if it was a CBS tape delay game, nobody would be sitting here talking about this shit. Not even Michael Jordan. So because of the TV deal being so new and so fresh and so raw and the cameras being right there capturing the Pistons, ducking the Bulls and walking right by Scotty and Michael and everything like that, then them dudes took it, took offense to it. And then when the media picked up on it, they were like, oh, there's blood in the water. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. And Mike has never stopped killing them ever since. I know. But like, doesn't he look like a bully a little bit? I mean, come on. Michael Jordan's a bully. Yes. No, but I mean, <laughs> I, feel, sellers. I, I feel like Isaiah Thomas has actually got the brunt of it more than anyone it's like unnecessary well i mean isaiah thomas gets the brunt of the if Larry bird was black he'd be an average player comments even though rodman's the one that said it and he agreed yeah with rodman's him. the one who's Rod, the, rodman's the <laughs> one who said it again and nobody's criticizing rodman like, for it again yeah I'm, rodman said it yeah I, like he had, like larry bird had to come y'all saw the bad boys doc y'all well, saw are you even you LA even hear Lakers well, or la I, celtics doc you, I actually tried to watch a lot of these interviews that Isaiah Thomas has been doing after the last dance just because I want to really get his take because they gave him some clips in the last dance. But I really want to get him to go on a half hour about this because he, he, he was involved as well. And we know we're not going to hear from Jordan. And every time they bring up, well, yeah, Isaiah, we heard about that. But we also want to bring up, you know, do you feel differently or what were your thoughts? How was it for you when you made that, com- that comment about Larry Bird being the great I'd hope or he wouldn't be as good if he was just another if he was black, he'd be just another guy and then isaiah has to say, i didn't say it i was just repeating robin's comments and then they're like oh yeah yeah we know that but again you we want to hear from you it's you like they won't that's not your scene, comment so you bro like off. it's like the media wants that to be isaiah said it or something like it's literally robin's comments we got, we got that as well it was like, isaiah's team and he, he always takes the fall for anything pistons related yeah. man he did it he did like, he did robin a solid there what happened Oh well, absolutely. Because Dennis, Dennis was still being like he was in the Detroit system, and he was fragile. And Chuck Daly took care of him. And the minute Chuck Daly left, is when he started having problems, and they shipped him to San Antonio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna switch up speeds here. And uh, Marcus, you're you're from DC, right? Yes. <laughs> so it's been this has been hailed obviously, and named The Last Dance. The Last Dance was Jordan's last season. It was his storybook ending with with him up, with holding that hand up and pushing off on Brian Russell and making the shot that won the NBA Finals in 1990. You were there when Jordan came to the Wizards. And no, everybody didn't talk. Like, no one was talking about it anymore because everybody's like, oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> Like I was watching a video on YouTube. Like the man played 82 games in 2002, 2003, averaged <laughs> yeah. 20 points, and then played 60 games in his first season back, and was mm-hmm. still averaged like 20, 20 points, and only went out when he genuinely could not run on his knee anymore. And the Pistons were Pistons. The uh, Wizards were making a playoff push at that time. Um, what I mean, obviously the Doc and what you just saw the propaganda there, um, di- like it differs from what you saw. 
from the Wizards years of Jordan. But I just want to know what kind of memories you have of that because I'm, I mean, I was disappointed he went back because I was a Bulls fan and all of a sudden Jordan's playing for this other team even though they were garbage. And I'm sorry they were garbage then and you'll admit that too. Um, but I just want to know what your opinions were of when Jordan was a Wizard because I never have... I've never asked you, and um, I just wonder if uh, your opinions of him then um, were like, "Oh my God, what Michael Jordan's with the Wizards," or it was kind of like, "Eh, whatever." I, I just, I'm just curious. All right, that show was cool. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you know, I mean, it was, it was a thing. Like to say it wasn't a thing would be a lie. Um, but you got to think, like, I mean, the Wizards slash bullets like of my childhood other than when they made it the playoffs and then the the bulls you know did away with them very easily um the those bullets slash wizards teams are like very middling uh this i mean rest in peace to west unsell but these were not the west unsell teams man um so it was kind of like i mean shit it was kind of like dc is a football DC is a football town. Like no matter how good or how terrible the Washington resources are, like it's a football town. And so when Jordan came to town, it was a it was a buzz. It was a cool thing. And yeah, like he wasn't trash. Like he didn't he drop like forty and fifty back to back games. He dropped fifty and then he dropped forty. Uh, yeah. the, the next game he played, I just well, he was again, taking all those shots because he didn't rely on anybody else. Yeah, but he was great. Yeah, yeah, and we had you know he had the <laughs> moment with the pump with um, Rip Hamilton. I mean, you know, like it was it was it was a moment. Like it wasn't like yeah. I mean, no one. I don't think anyone really had much expectations for the moment, but it was still a moment nonetheless. Um, would I have, you know, traded that for, you know, him not drafting Kwame Brown? Of course, in a heartbeat. Kwame. <laughs> I mean, but it it was a cool thing, man. It, it was it was cool. Like it, it, it's like if you go to like a nightclub, you have you know pretty decent expectations. They play decent music. The prices are decent, and then you don't <laughs> think about it a month later. That's the Jordan experience in DC. <laughs> Identical records both years. Identical, right? Yeah, which is which is crazy. Wild. Um, that does any like I just had to ask Marcus that because it's the only time that I was probably going to ever bring it up. <laughs> but like, hey, how'd you feel when you have Michael Jordan on your team? Um, George, uh, mm-hmm. you already touched on a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. I was going to ask you what you thought about that, but you already said that you didn't see anything groundbreaking. Uh, let's talk about the moment in the closet, though, when they're playing, when he's playing the dice game with the security guards. Mm-hmm. And, and the, rest in peace, the Wozniak. That's my guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I man. went, I went and then searched him out and like read this nice. It was a couple years old, actually, like an article. I think somebody for Yahoo did and talked to his son and everything like that and talked about how Michael treated those guys like family and everything. That was cool. It was cool to read like about that. Yeah, I didn't know about any of those guys. That was a nice side of, of Michael that it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but George, like, what what did you think about about the scenes of the security guards and how important they were to Jordan's everyday life, especially like with him as you spoke to the a moment in the hotel where he was just kind of like, like he was down for a second, like the just mm-hmm. being able to see him sit back and kick back and just be with those guys like even before the game and stuff and like there was very few moments with his teammates other than him giving them shit after the game or before the game mm-hmm. um 
there and this is the people we spent the most time with. Like, what did you think of those relationships? I know you already just said that you thought it was real nice and everything, but no, but did you think it brought anything to Jordan's legend or mystique or just him as a person, anything like that? Well, it, it's it's fascinating how throughout the history of sport, when you you know go to the top of the of the top and the very best, and find out that these guys have a lot of similarities, and like, let's be frank that. Michael Jordan didn't really, I don't want to say didn't really have a lot of friends, but I'm going to say didn't really have a lot of friends. And then the ones he does have friends, like Charles Barkley, I didn't realize until I heard Barkley that it was that estranged. I knew they had a falling out because, God forbid, Charles said something, you know, critical. But, um, you know, at the top like that, it's interesting that those guys, you know, become his friends and become his family in a way. He was obviously close with his dad and his mother. We don't hear very much in the documentary about his brother, Larry. We don't hear, he's in there, but we don't hear too much about like uh, the family dynamic stuff is interesting to me, but I guess that's safe for a part 11 well, we documentary. Kids. We, we hear that later. And, yeah, and then his kids, and the, the, the gist about his kids was almost because they were producing episode 10 up until the last minute that they, the producers kind of heard like, man, maybe we should get some interviews with the kids and stick them in there. Or I don't, I, that's kind of what I heard. Um, but yeah, we just heard their takes on the jazz fan, jazz fan, which we all we all know those racist jazz fans were mean and they're mean. Utah's yeah. the worst. And we're rooting for our dad's team. Like, OK, like, yeah. we got it. but they so but these guys, it's it, the, the you know, the relationship of meeting them and, and classic. And this is the case in a lot of places in the country where, you know, the guys that are working at your stadium at night, whether they're ushers or security people often have other jobs during the day. And these guys were Chicago PD guys. And you, you, you hear the story about, I forget his name now too, but the other guy who's with him had heart troubles and everything toward the end of his life. And Michael was there and Michael was checking on him. And these guys become his, his friends and his family because you can tell he's not really friends with his teammates. And he doesn't really, at that point in time, doesn't have friends because he's the ultimate competitor. And, and I get that. And, I, and the first guy I think of is Tiger Woods. And like seeing him, seeing Tiger win the Masters now and how all those guys of this generation, the Brooks Kepkas and the Justin Thomases and everyone else are waiting at the clubhouse at Augusta for him to come up and hug him. That 1997 Tiger, 2003 Tiger wouldn't have done that because he didn't really have any friends on tour. He still looks like he doesn't like Phil Mickelson that much, but he didn't. But you (laughs) can't really have. When you have a mindset like that, that is so driven to win and excel and be a champion, I'm not saying that you can't win a championship in other ways, but to do it and be considered the greatest, there is some kind of similar strain that runs through these guys and it's having a close circle and it's not really having quote unquote friends that you are that play in the sport or the activity that you're a part of. And so for these guys, for, for Michael, these guys were his friends and were his family. Yeah, the only thing I th- I think, and the Tiger Woods comparison is perfect, but the only thing I can think of, and not to demean the friendship in any way, because it was great that he had that relationship with those guys, but the reason why Tiger and Michael Jordan maybe only had those type of grounds crew or a caddy or somebody, a trainer, or those people in their inner circle that they were truly friends with personally and not the Scottie Pippen being his number two. They weren't personally friends, even though they were getting along well on the court or even Tiger Woods with any competitors or even some caddies of his. He's had a adversarial relationship. He's had fallen out with them too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the point of it is people that are even on your team that are directly on your team, they weren't able to be friends with, but I think part of it might be that 
if somebody is your number two on a squad, you're somewhat threatened by them because they could take your spot. Like when jo- I'll tell you this, we know enough about Jordan, George, no matter what he said in that documentary, when Jordan was playing baseball and the Bulls were in the playoffs and they were in that second round game seven in Jordan's heart of hearts, secretly, there's no way he was rooting for that team to win. No way. He loved them losing without him. He loved Pippen sitting there. He loved them getting criticized. His worst case scenario would have been if Pippen dragged them to the finals, even if they would have lost without Jordan, because then the narrative forever would be they didn't win a title, but they got to a finals without Jordan. But Jordan never got to a finals without Pippen. Imagine that argument now. Jordan was in no way rooting for Pippen's single success or for that team success with him not on it. I'll never believe it. He was even threatened by those number twos. He was threatened by teammates in some way to take his spot or his throne and certainly threatened by any rival or any opponent. That's why he wanted to crush him like a bug and Tiger the same way, threatened by Phil, threatened by those guys, even if they're way better. And we can say, why are you threatened by a guy that you beat all the time, even including a celebrity two on two? But they thought they were threatened. They manufactured those things to keep squashing them because they wanted to be the best. But when you have a trainer or a grounds crew guy or a security guy or a PD guy, they're not threatening to you in any way. So it's easier to be friends with them. That's the only thing I can try to rationalize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a inside look that I didn't expect from the film. So again, I, that that's another part that I did enjoy was seeing him actually kind of let his hair down, so to speak with those guys and created some and memes. created some means for sure. That shrug <laughs> meme is more yes. iconic than Jordan's shrug now. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's incredible. Um, but I mean, all in all guys that, that kind of wraps up the last dance questions that I had here. Mm. So, I'm kind of wondering uh, if anybody had some final thoughts they wanted to pass off before we uh, get out of here. So, Marcus, let me uh, hand you this ball one more time and see what you got there, brother. Well, I guess I asked everyone else. So what are you guys is coming away from this? What would you guys say is your off the top of your head, your top three favorite sports stocks? Because I'm going for me, obviously, OJ in America won. I'm going uh, Who Dreams 2, but I'm, I mean, the DC bias obviously has to make me pick Lamb uh, without bias at number three. That's a good mm-hmm. one. But mm-hmm. for like, very good. But for a fun pick, I got to go with the U. The U documentary was really, oh my God, first oh, one yes. was really, right. really fun. So I can, I'll kick it to you guys. So, what, what do you guys would just say you're, Maybe top three and, oh, and maybe just one that's like I gotta find just a fun. Title. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I can give a top ten almost. Yeah, I almost kind of want to like create the OJ thing as a subset because it's a sports documentary, but also it's like its own all encompassing thing. Um, the Lem Bias one was just on last night. I just watched it again. That was great. Um, I'm gonna throw out Pony Excess, which was the story of yeah, that SMU. Was really good. Um, and SMU, uh, you know, buying, uh, cutting the yeah, college, was- college is paying money for guy for players and stuff like that. The right. Vladi one, uh, I loved because and, and hit me, um, because, um, and God dang, I, I forget the guy's name now who was the Serbian player that played for the yeah, Nets. Patrick. 
Yeah. Roger Miller to this day, including an interview with Dan Patrick last week, said that he believes if Petrovic would have stayed alive and would have had a, yeah. movie, he would have been the greatest shooter of all time in terms of percentage. Obviously, the there's no, obviously there's no way to, to fully know if that's true or not. But that just shows yeah. you how good he was. And a lot of fans probably don't know who he was at all. That one that one's up there for me because my ancestry is Serbian and I've always wanted to go and visit Serbia and kind of learn more and everything. And it's a big deal for Vladi, who is technically Croatian when he's in that card across the border, because there's still this rivalry between Croatia and Serbia. And there's a lot of ethnic issues in the former Yugoslavian countries. Um, so that was a big deal. Uh, and that was kind of moving to see that type of thing. Um, but we might even I know Mike might even have to put on this list, this Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire thing when it uh, the last the last summer, the last summer when it oh, pops I forgot up that was coming. That could That's be coming, man, you know. So. I mean, it'll be good, but I mean, I got to see how that how that goes. I mean, in terms of who's in there and who they're interviewing, but that depends certain- if Sammy Sosa has creative control. <laughs> well, we know Sammy Sosa's in there from the previews, and you're going to have to teach some people are going to have to realize he's changed the color of his skin. But yeah, that's going to potentially. That is going I would to say, shock a lot of. I'm serious. That's going to shock a lot of people. I don't well, there's been really... pictures. I feel like it's been out there that he changed his color of his skin, but maybe not everybody knows. But I feel like there's one that's no one mentioned so far because a lot of the ones that have been mentioned. I think Pony Express is one of my favorites for sure, and that's one that taught a lot. And mm-hmm. and there's a lot of hypocrisy that was revealed there, but that actually was people telling true stories and the trans A and M. That was a great one. Um, and obviously the U's. I didn't really like the second U as much as the first U, even though they're both. No, I didn't either. Yeah, I could watch yeah. both of them, but the Fab Five that nobody brought up is, is oh, right up there. That, I mean, Fab I can. Five is really good. I can I can watch that anytime. Th- th- that's how I kind of rate it. Like if I can watch it again, even though I know everything and I've already watched it a bunch, can I watch it again and sit there for a couple hours? I can do that with the Fab Five for sure. Um, I I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of great ones. Um, the OJ Made in America is definitely the the top one for sure. Uh, there's not that many. It's almost an easier list to come up with 30 for 30s that I didn't like. Because as much as people criticize ESPN, that's the best thing that that whole family of networks has, has ever done. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's almost ones that I didn't like to, to bring up more. Um, I even in a weird twist, and this is not going to say it's a favorite of mine, but it's just one that has to be brought up because it was done very unique. And normally when something's done this way, I wouldn't like it. but the one about the the June date where you had the OJ fourteen yeah and on the yeah it was like June twenty fourth or fourteenth it's one of the, yeah it's in that neighborhood but it's the same day where you have the the NBA Finals game the OJ chase June seventeenth and it actually ties into what we talked about earlier with that ninety four baseball season because that's the moment where. Griffey's setting the record over Babe Ruth for a month and people are realizing he could set the single season record, which he didn't get to finish the job because of the, the baseball season being stopped. But all that on the same day and how Bob Costas and everyone dealt with that and, and just thinking of how that would be de- dealt with today and how different that would be today because everybody on social media would be – that probably would be the day that social media would legitimately crash if it ever mm-hmm. could. Um, so that was really, really cool, even though I wouldn't say – is definitely it's a favorite because you didn't hear any of their actual interviews. It was just clips mm-hmm, of that right. time. Um, but the one, and I can't believe his name's escaping right now, but the one, the, the basketball player from Chicago that passed away as well, he didn't even get to have a college career. He died as 17 years old in high school. 
that's a that's a that's a great one. That John Howard wore his number, um, and he's the uh, he went to Simeon, and that I can't believe I can't remember this man's name. It um, was like, um, yeah, uh, Derek Rose bases like number. Yeah, I forget his name. Though, yeah, yeah, they all pay Benji. Benji. Yeah, Benji. Benji yeah. Ben, yeah, that's a very very underrated documentary, I would say. But uh, when you guys not, have when you guys have not named yet, that I'm kind of surprised. Not just a thirty for thirty, but a regular sports talk. Wrestling with shadows. The re- mm. that, oh yeah, I mean that's I, I guess that's I do kind of put really the the WWE sports entertainment in a little bit different of a realm, just because there was a script involved even at the time, whereas these were supposedly real events. But yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I mean, I, I would say even another one, even the Dream Team one that was on NBA TV, the 20 year anniversary in 2012. I think that's pretty good, to be honest. I think you actually get more takes on their thoughts than you did in the freaking last dance. Um, yeah, you really I, I actually do. I don't think Carl Malone's talking like this either. I think he's no. It's a, it's a quicker. It's it's only an hour. Like it's not like one of those longer ones, but they get everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, wrestling with shadows is for is for sure. Um, I mean, all the I, I don't like anything else on the network really, but all those documentaries that vice has been doing in the last couple of years on, on all those wrestling dramas and controversies. Dark all, side of the ring. Yeah. That, all of those are good. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not going to throw OJ made in America in here because it, it, like Marcus said, it almost doesn't count as a sports documentary. It's, it's just a great documentary period. Yeah, um, so I'm going to say it's in the league of its own. So I'm not included in here. Um, my three would be hoop dreams, which we already mentioned. Uh, got as a Christmas gift in like 95, something like that, and was hooked ever since. And I will sit down and watch those three hours anytime, any place, you name it. And I'll watch Arthur A.G. and William Gates go through it again. Love that movie. It's so well done. Um, two thirty for 30s that came from to mind for me was the Survive and Advance one about Jim Valvano and the yeah. North Carolina State Nights in 83. I love now that is kind of what I would have liked to see more of in the last dance where they literally got the old team together that was still living and they were all in a restaurant and they had their little, uh, they yeah. had their private, um, private interviews, but then they were also had the table where they were talking about just remember Valvano and, and that team and all that stuff. I really thought that was well done. It was emotional, hit all the right beats and it really told Jim's story like through the, through that whole season and then winnings uh, surprisingly and then kind of his a little bit of his downfall and then ultimately his uh his final days uh, before he lost his battle with cancer. I I love that that uh documentary. And then my other one uh 3030. I love the the U one um but I'm not going to go with that one. Uh the winning time one with Reggie Miller was mm-hmm. my first yeah. 30 I watched. Yeah. Love that one. I think that's excellent. Um uh, the Bad Boys one is great. The Lakers Celtics one is great. But one that always caught my eye every time, and I watched it finally. And I know, I mean, I knew the history a little bit, but I'd never really had a look this much into this boxing match. Was uh, No Moss, the mm. one with uh, Durant, Durant. and uh, yeah. Sir Ray um, Leonard? And like, I was watching this like maybe a few months after it came out um, one time, and it was it was pretty late at night. And then when I saw Duran wave off and say no Moss, I was texting my dad. I was like, "Yo, Duran just just quit." <laughs> like, like, like I had no idea. Like I, I was mostly focused on like I mean I know Sugar Ray Leonard was big, but I mean I was still pretty young when this fight happened. It was 19, I wasn't even born yet. I was nineteen eighty. So 
Um, I really love that documentary and and the fact that Leonard goes to um he actually goes to see Duran and they sit down face to face and then uh, the whole movie they're speculating about why Duran wasn't in shape for the second fight and all these things, why he quit. And then Sugar Ray asks him directly to his face, he's like, Why'd you quit? And Duran's like, I didn't quit. This happened and this happened. <laughs> he still won't want to admit it. It's amazing. Just because he the, the man's pride won't admit, let him admit he's wrong, even uh, all these did years he, later. Did um, anyone ever did, did any, anyone of you guys ever watch When We Were Kings, the um, documentary for Muhammad Ali and the Rumble um, in the Jungle? Not seen it, but I need to watch it because Rosillo and Simmons was talking about it a few weeks ago, and it sounds freaking amazing. I need to watch it. Yeah, it it follows them like throughout the like that whole like Rumble and Jungle like throughout the entire thing. So right, um, I don't know where it's streaming at all, but if you can find it, definitely watch it. Another oh, one that's, that's good that is probably surprising, um, but the the Tony Hardy Nancy Kerrigan one. I thought yeah. that was good. that was better than the movie with Mark with Margaret Robbie. I mean, I thought that I was pretty good. That one. I didn't see the whole thing, but I, I think I came in the middle um, at one point yeah, and watched thought, the rest. I thought that was pretty good, and I think you actually get more. See, that also like that's also the point of why I was disappointed with the Last Dance because when you look at that documentary, you know that there's some people lying. You know that there's two sides of this story. You know that nobody's been really telling the full truth on either side to this point. So you got to be a journalist and you got to try to pull these onions and these answers out of these people or at least make it look like they're saying something. And that's what they did in that documentary. But nobody had the ability to do that or the luxury because Jordan wouldn't let them. So Jordan wouldn't let this be what it could have been. And I think people, I honestly think Jordan misread the public. If he would have, let it be that way. Everybody would have still came out of it. Jordan's number one thing he cares about is being thought of as the greatest of all time. And the same people who thought of it before would have thought of it after. He probably would have pulled more people in. LeBron even saying comments like that. He would have had people taken away that he's the greatest of all time on the court and that he's a little bit of a jerk and that he sold his soul to try to win. And that was his number one motivation. But he did have humble beginnings. He did have to overcome a lot. He did have a great relationship with his father. And he had reasons for this and reasons for that. And even the media hounding him a little, a little too much. And he would have came away with all of those, those narratives being what they were. And I don't think he would have minded it too much as long if he would have just let the documentary be that. And yeah, people might've thought he was a jerk and he was a bully and he was wrong in some instances, but I think people thought that anyway, it's almost like people going into last dance knew he was a jerk, knew he was picking on people knew he was wrong in some instances and then you come out of the last dance saying yeah i knew he was wrong in this and was a jerk already but now i hate him even more like damn dude like <laughs> come on like if i was even a competitor of jordan's i'd even be more pissed it's like Carmelo, malone john stockton gary payton patrick ewing charles barkley all these guys are top 50 all these guys reggie miller all these guys don't got rings all these guys know that if they played in the, in, in the era now they might have them and they couldn't get him because jordan took them all from them and they all respected Jordan. But if I'm watching them and I'm those guys, I'm saying, man, Jordan, we know you're better than us. You had a better team with you. We know we didn't get rings because of you and you just can't give us any dap that like we could play ball at all. Like, damn, like, <laughs> it's, it's like, I, it's just like, I, I, you didn't get the feel that we got in any of those other documentaries that we mentioned. Cause there's a lot of people that, 
you know, the, the you even saw clips in some interviews where the dude's like cutting in saying, no, dude, like, what's the real story, though? And then they leave that in that they maybe wouldn't have told them they were going to leave that in. So it leads you to believe one thing. We didn't right. get any of that in the documentary because anything that wasn't happy, Jordan, I'm sure, told the guy, we're cutting this, we're cutting that. He probably looked at the finished product before it was released and had to clear it. Like, if the star of the thing has to clear it before you release it, it's not legit. Um, I, I can pretty much sum up this whole documentary and Michael Jordan's thoughts while making this documentary in a few sentences they said to Larry Bird uh, after they beat the Pacers in Game 7 in 1998. <laughs> you bitch, fuck you. Yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. Like, even Patrick Ewing said, I like, think you're that still sticking on me today. Like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta respect it. I would respect it more if he would just come out right and say it. Like, just, just be open with, with being a dick. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, so all in all, I, I think the documentary was fine. Um, I'll revisit it sometime. I, I had high hopes. My hopes were met in the fact that there was something to watch and it was about my favorite teams, my, one of my favorite teams of all time. Yeah. So that was great. But then a reason why I didn't immediately say, all right, let's get together and talk about these episodes and everything is I did want to process it because – it was one long propaganda film for me about Michael. <laughs> yeah. about wow. Bulls. That's I've been waiting for that. I've been it, waiting to hear it. I just it wanted to hear it. Bulls. I think Marcus said propaganda first. It wasn't about the no, Chicago Bulls. Know. Marcus isn't a Bulls fan. You're the, <laughs> that's why I want to I am not. I, 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 wanted I needed that validation. A movie about the Bulls last dance in that last season. And one of like the my favorite parts was literally those parts of the seat of the doc where they're literally talking about the season like that run when, when <laughs> that's what you out. thought it was going to be about and, yeah yeah like when pippen <laughs> is out and then jordan goes to rodman and he's like look i need your help and then rodman like buckles down and it's like the rodman and jordan show for a while and then i remember that run like when they lost to rick patino celtics in the first game without scotty and then and then I remember the Bulls struggling, and all of a sudden, like I, the Bulls just go in this run, they start winning, and Rodman is playing not out of his mind. I mean, he's doing what Scott, what Rodman does, but he was invested in in that in those that stretch. And then, like the documentary said, as soon as Scotty came back, and he realized that Mike wouldn't need him as much anymore. That I think that's yeah. when the seventy two hours in Vegas happened, like immediately after, and the stories that were truly about the season, like each playoff series. I love that because you got to see each little breakdown when they, when they played the nets and how close they came to losing the nets. And then the BJ Armstrong game, the the, the Charlotte game, BJ definitely got a rub uh, from the director, man. Cause they were like, BJ Armstrong, like kill, killed the uh, bulls. And then Jordan came back and made sure that that never happened again. And, the the Pacers Bull series was was covered well. I thought I really could have used more of that because that that honestly was one of the Bulls' toughest series, and they had history. Like Jordan and Pippen had both gone face to face, nose to nose with Miller over the years because Miller just doesn't shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I really wanted more of that than what we got. And then with the each of the with the last finals and stuff, um, like it it was mostly the thing I remember the most from the last Utah series besides them showing the last shot and stuff was that damn Kenny Lattimore scene when Jordan's like jumping around like a damn idiot 
And I'm like, damn, this song must be fire. And I think I found it. And I was like, it's all right. But damn, Mike. Mike was like, I think he had just went to the cocaine circus. So I don't know, man. Yeah, maybe Marcus is right on that implication early on in the show here. Yeah, I, I think that the Pacers thing was big because I think a lot of people, if you have to name them the top Jordan rival in either conference during that run, the Pacers would get mentioned, but they wouldn't be the first team. People would say Utah because of the back-to-back. People would say the Knicks probably from the East. People would say Detroit before that. But they wouldn't say Indiana probably right away. But you could argue in the, those last three titles, the Pacers were their toughest test and arguably even more of a test than the than the Jazz ended up being, even mm-hmm. though they made them in the finals. So I think that that it made Reggie Miller look really, really good because Reggie Miller, yeah, Chris Mullen was there as a Hall of Famer, but he was a bench player. Jalen Rose was there when he was still good, but he never became close to a Hall of Famer. Reggie Miller's dragging a club. It was a good team, but he didn't have Pippen. He didn't have Rodman. He didn't have the squad that Jordan did. And Rick Smith, though. And Rick Smith would show out every now and then. Yeah, but my point is Reggie Miller got that team. Basically, Reggie Miller gave Jordan his toughest test, and I don't think Reggie Miller had the best squad around him in comparison to some of the others. So that was... So that that made that made Reggie Miller look really really good. I mean, it still pains me that Reggie Miller didn't come back for a cup of coffee to win that that 2008 Celtics ring that he keeps saying they invited him to be a part of. Like that would have he, he's the one guy that would have deserved a charity ring for 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 putting up with that so long and kind of coasting. But yeah, that was cool. Um, I mean, one guy, Marcus, you're like this one guy. Maybe would have liked to hear from. And they brought this up a little bit, and while I've been going to WCW and that whole NWO thing, I would maybe like to hear a little clip from Eric Bischoff and his thoughts. Eric Bischoff, oh, man. he's out was- there. He does a podcast. He clearly he was working for WB not long ago and lost that job, but he's out there in media. He's willing to talk. He does after buzz shows. So I guarantee you, if they called him, he would have done a clip. I guarantee it. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah, I don't think the filmmakers are thinking outside the box that well, though. <laughs> like, I mean, but no, that actually would have been like you have the reason. Like, he's obviously the guy that enticed him to go to it. So at least getting his thought processes on, bro. You know, it's the middle of the season. Why the hell are you doing it? The reasons are obvious, but at least getting Bischoff, you know, the actual soundbite to state the obvious in a crazy way, that would have been like a cool forty-five well, second they could have had. Yeah, because I would have also asked Eric and said, "You're you've been highly, highly open on the fact that the AOL Time Warner merger is what you believe killed WCW, and once you had the powers that be from Turner breathing down your throat, it it hurt it hurt WCW and led to the downfall. You signed an NBA player who's a Hall of Famer in the middle of a series in the NBA Finals, put him on your show on their network. They have a relationship with the NBA, and you basically gave a middle finger. Did, were you were you at all nervous they were going to pull the plug tomorrow? I mean, that was a big risk that he even had professionally to even bring Robin on there. The NBA was still a big deal. Like He basically yes. just said, screw you, NBA. Screw you, Michael Jordan. I'm going to put this guy on TV. That, that, that was, I mean, the, the NBA, Jordan, and the Turner could have basically said, Eric, yeah, this is cool with WCW, but um, you kind of, you, you know, you're, you're hurting the giant here. We're not with you. So that, that was yeah. a risk. And I would have, yeah, there, that would have been a nice clip to, to hear Eric's thought process in the meetings with Robin, how that came to be, if it was a risk to sign him, if he was concerned at all, that even happening. I've heard him talk about dealing with Robin before on 83 Weeks Podcast, which is great, but we didn't get it in the last dance talk. Yeah. 
It would have been a, di- a different take. It, it would have been fun for those wrestling fans like ourselves to see Bischoff. Um, I was surprised they even showed the wrestling clip. And then, of course, <laughs> Costas, right. Barry, and Rodman. He took part in a professional wrestling match in Auburn. I, lo- I love Costas and George Hates when I criticize so. him. But I feel like every time there's a documentary of anything, anything, Costas looks bad. Like the yeah. XFL yeah. thing, oh, this, yeah. like even when they have MLB Network and they were like discussing M- the Hall of Fame votes, like Costas just looks like an old guy who won't adjust to anything new. Like yeah. he just, like he doesn't look good in any, like he should just go away and retire. Like really, like any interview. Yeah, without- I don't hate him that much. <laughs> I, I don't hate him that much, but I will say that, I mean, he said that during the bas- like during the broadcast back in 98 and stuff about professional wrestling. I mean, you know, he was in this dock a little bit. Um, but yeah, that, that is our thoughts on the last dance. George, did you have anything else you wanted to add to, to, uh, the, before we get out of here, sir? That's it, man. That's it. George's like, no, I'm done. No, 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 it was good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Propaganda, but entertaining went quick. Um, thank you ESPN for moving it up. Although we're still here into June. So we could have, I guess, watched it in June, but quite frankly, thank you for providing stits June day 80 i don't know and i'm still at home um but yeah thank you for moving it up and uh to the for the content for the for the people so and even though i'm the brock lesnar of, of kellen's venture here where i i only appear as a special attraction i will return as george said i will return if you do a, a recap of the summer of 98 baseball home run chase but so, so if you do that i will i will come back for that show that oh, i'd love to because that that home run that chase meant a lot yeah. to me man that I had I had a VHS of McGuire breaking the night McGuire broke the record. Mm-hmm. Then like then he beat it like when they, they were playing the Cubs. Is that right? Yeah, I yeah remember yeah. that correctly. Yeah. It was yeah, because Sosa came and hugged him and they did the hand thing. But I will yeah. say, guys, I'm gonna be. It depends on how they do this on whether or not I'm going to be critical of it because as right. you're talking about people getting interviewed, no, I'm being serious, George. Number one, if they're going to be critical regardless, I know you. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me put it to you this way as a foreshadowing: if Jose Canseco is not interviewed. I'm not with it because uh, you yeah. got, if you're going to be as fair as a, a doing documentary, he had the book juice. He played with McGuire before that. They're clearly going to talk about more than just that one season. And I can make an argument that he was actually a better overall player and even had a better overall career than McGuire. If you look at the full numbers, besides just that one year oh, you got, and, and, and Canseco has been quite blackballed for the same infraction that everybody else committed. So you got to hear from him or else it's not legit. That he got to have at least an, one interview talking about that, especially if they're going to bash him. Like if McGuire sits on there and says, oh, yeah, Canseco said this, but I was better than him. No, McGuire, you have 1,600 career hits. Like, come on now. Like, like we, you got to hear from everyone for me to fully embrace that one. But I am, I have high expectations. I, I, I'd even like, I don't know, they're probably not going to do this, but I'd even like to hear from Bonds. I'd like to hear from Ken Griffey Jr. I don't know if they're going to get those guys in it, but number one, I got to hear from Canseco. Okay, well, that you definitely. Well, let's just pencil it in right now that uh, we will. We'll all have to get together and talk about the when that doc, Marcus. I don't know if you want to talk about that one, but you're <laughs> more than welcome, of course. Um, it was a, it was a thing. It was cool. <laughs> no, that shit, no, that shit was everywhere. It was, did Michael Jordan on the Wizards side. But Damn. no, no, actually, that shit was more exciting than his time at the Wizards. Like my entire, <laughs> like, my entire right. school was turned up for the home run chase. So. So yeah, yeah, it was yeah. It was- I had a VHS of uh, of McGuire breaking a record of VHS of Jordan's last game from from uh, that year. So I mean, um, there's a lot of things. 
I mean, there's even a race angle they could go with that. Because I actually remember when I was in, how old were we? It was 98 in like what? Middle school. Oh, yeah, we're in middle 15. school. I don't know, like sixth grade or something. But I even remember having a conversation with a teacher and, and this was a, a white teacher and asking, hey, who do you who do you want to win this home run chase? And the the woman saying um, McGuire and then having thinking to yourself like well why and this person kind of dancing around that oh well this it just fits more of the bill of what we see with home run hitters and baseball and the guys who set the records and and maris and babe ruth and i'm basically thinking you want it because it's it's the white dude it's the same thing that's been there for baseball history like that's kind of what it damn. felt like that answer was so like damn that's even like a country connection in terms of sosa being a foreigner and mcguire being the all-american boy who then mm-hmm. Now, arm raised. Yeah, and no longer. They clearly they're both pariahs of of, of the sport and never going to get in the Hall of Fame. And other guys who did the same thing are getting more votes than them. Sosa's vote totals is nothing. Um, so that is, yeah, I'd like to. I I'm I'm actually a little skeptical though, George, that they're going to be as honest as it we should. Because we, we need I've, to I've see. Read, no, I'm, I'm going to hold judgment. I've I've read Game of Shadows like. Because you and I have been to the Hall of Fame where they got that one little case over there like, these things happened. Here's a bat and a ball. The end. And that's about it. It's about the only difference. The the 20 plus years of steroids that they pay to it. So. Well, they have, yeah, they have, they have an area. They certainly, they have that. I think, I think they have more than what you're saying, but they don't have as much as maybe would have happened if it wasn't for the perception. Correct. Rate. I mean, Correct. but they, they have a floor and they, they do have more of bonds than those two guys. Um, but it's just interesting because there's some things in the game, Game of Shadows, talking about a meeting between Bonds and Griffey where they're talking about, hey, these guys are not as good as us. If we go on roids, we're going to do this. And Griffey said no. And Bonds said, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, is that <laughs> is that going to be brought up in this, George? Because that's pretty much been <laughs> find out. <laughs> well, we'll see. But I mean, a lot of people have said that pretty much everyone agrees that happened except for Bonds. So I, I, Bonds is clearly going to go on there and lie, I'd imagine. So we'll. We'll see, but I'm 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 nervous. They're gonna miss out on a lot of things. Is that a multiple parter, or is that just a one off? I think it's just a one off. It might just be uh, the one. Yeah, they I need like it's just a one off. They yes. need like six parts to probably do what they need to do. Honestly, the whole steroid era could use a a Ken Burns documentary. Completely be honest with you. That's that's so. what I'm saying. Like I don't know if that. I'm almost scared that they almost shouldn't do this at all if they're gonna do it like in an hour and a half and try to rush it without anyone's interview. <laughs> they're going to let A Rod host it too, probably. Yeah, A Rod. Like, like, everybody yeah, I like, loves A Rod. I, I wouldn't be against that, but I mean, he'll probably get an interview because he's with ESPN now. He's going to be in there, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Bonds and Kaseko are not going to be interviewed, which that's going to be hard to do this without them. Yeah. All right, so yeah, we'll pencil that one in, but uh, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. So yeah. for my semi-regular co-host Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson, I appreciate <laughs> you being here, sir. Should with you. Uh, with with you constantly uh, hitting us with the with the cools and uh and you know you uh, I gave you a break on the topics hopefully hopefully you didn't mind that uh <laughs> Mike Osti, uh, I'm glad you were here sir as always the the heel to my face even though we were yeah. agreeing a lot this time I know but, it was uh, weird yeah I was expecting we wouldn't we had some good piece of radio there uh, the Kellen I told you that the other day I randomly came across some sound from oh yeah legit yeah, you radio did. yeah. The hill to my face sounds like a, the Claiborne kick. It really does. It either <laughs> oh, sounds, oh, look, it it does. sounds like that, or it sounds like a you know an athlete's foot commercial or something. Like it, it I don't know. Yeah, it could be a Shaq, a Shaq commercial. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, tough acting, acting. It's the heel to my face. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, great, always great having you on. And then Gerbo, who is who is essentially Marcus's now semi regular co host after being here for <laughs> Ethan. Um, uh, thank you for coming on and defending yourself so well against Ossie's attacks and, and just watching Pleasure the doc always. and talking it with talking it over with us, man. And Absolutely. it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, always happy to. So I'm always in the episode the same way. I'm just going to go ahead and say, be safe out there, y'all. Make wise decisions. Uh, wash your damn hands. And, yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and comment. This has been a Hyphen Podcast Network production. They're the bestest. I'm getting paid an exposure. Overtime. Hey, there he is. <laughs> Finally. It's always. Well, you just, you, I don't understand how, like, you just literally click join and then you join. On. No, see, fuck you. I knew, I knew a minute I was going to come. Yes. Because, because I will tell you right now, you're literally, I literally did not have to be invited. I joined myself. Mike loves to do the video, how I video zoom my camera on so y'all can see me eating these noodles while y'all fight. I knew it. I knew, I knew he was going to come in with like, oh, you're just I know. The great thing is, George tried to convince me that Zoom is a bad platform. He would literally be the only person in America that doesn't like it. It's 10 years old and it didn't do well on it. But no, no, I literally conversation and I went to Skype, made me sign in and do two factor authentication and change my password for some ungodly reason. Um, well, I so never used Skype and I didn't have to do any of that. I, I, I don't care. It's my experience. I don't care. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, that doesn't make sense. Your experience is. <laughs> people are making jokes that the, the whole generation is going to be called the zoom generation and George couldn't even get it to work. Right. <laughs> right. We have fixed those problems now, five months into what feels like five months into this. So, well, well, George, I want to say that now that you're here and you're calm, you're calming down. Uh, yes. I do appreciate all your hard work on the Ethan episode with Marcus, man. I really, I really appreciate absolutely. it. Oh man. No, absolutely. We had a, we had a great time. Ethan was excellent and it was just you know, just cutting it up for a good hour plus. No, it was a good time. We appreciate no, you. When he started cussing, I was like, oh, hell yeah. He, he's, he's in there. <laughs> he's in there. I'm like, he ain't holding back. This ain't, this ain't radio. I'm like, that's what's up. No, he gave it to us. He gave it to us straight. So that was good. And he's even said he was going to add some more, um, potentially some in the paperback version of the book. It's doing so well. Victory Machine, making an unmaking of the Warriors Dynasty that uh, he may add some more content in, uh, uh, the upcoming paperback so that's awesome nice well i'm definitely looking forward to that so how are you gerbo i'm good i'm good i'm that good Adosti attacked you. always i was ready i was ready i knew it i knew it was coming i was primed <laughs> i knew something was gonna happen so well you i, I right now if we were doing a, a world ranking you'd have to agree that you're the dumbest zoom person in america no see god jeez <laughs> I fixed it. I told you I fixed but it. But nobody else had a problem initially. See, I knew the minute that I said, like, I was going to have a, because literally I signed into Skype and then all the stuff is gone. And it's like, you're signed in as George Gerbo. Where's your chat history? Click here and just, you know, fuck Microsoft. Uh, why, why don't you use any of their products um, <laughs> except Skype? <laughs> but 
No, I knew the minute I was going to get in, his ass was going to be in here already, and it was going to lead to this shit. So I was ready. Because well, oh, all, all I literally did is I didn't. I was I know about what you to did. I, well, I, was a, I was about to ask for an invite, and then I just clicked on the thing, and I was like, I didn't and Kellen, and and Kellen was like, George can't do that. And I was like, then George is a dumb. No, I, it's my fault. I, I sold you out. I should just silently invite, send you the link. <laughs> And I was like, hey, let me help George real quick. And then Ossie's like, what's happening? What's he doing wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I, forget I you. set you up for failure. Well, I guess I, it also was funny that the 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 amount of people that were able, like, I'm, like I was, I'm able to hook up, get people to use Zoom that, are, that I feel like never use any technology, never had to produce anything of their own in their life. And then all of a sudden, George couldn't get it done. I, that was That was just... So, laptop, so can, can y'all go ahead and tell me what, what, George, what the problem is with Zoom? Let's hear the Zoom rant. No, so the first time it just, I did it on my lap. My MacBook is 10 years old and I started, you know, I was like, okay. You got a newer Mac though. Why didn't you use that one? Well, again, that's why the last time we did it, I did it on the newer Mac. So since, and again, Mike is talking about an incident that was in March at this point now, and I couldn't get it to work. And so I just defaulted to our normal, we use a Zencaster to record our audio. And so we finally used Zoom the last time. It's mainly because I don't want to be tethered at the big ass work com computer I now use to work from home because it, I'd like to get away and, you know, a different space in the house for something different. But it was, it was it did not want to work on the laptop, probably because I'm running like a version of iOS or uh, OS operating system on Mac that's like five behind whatever the current one is, El Capitan, whatever it is. I'm like five behind. So I'm just saying, just use the the, the newer laptop, then you can go carry it around. No, that's what I did the last time we did it. I used it on the newer computer. But I'm saying on the yeah. on the laptop, which is older. I don't feel like updating the the operating software just so Zoom can work. So well, yeah, but just don't use it. Just don't use that one. Yeah, well, why don't you update the iOS just because it's updated? I'm, I'm this. This is going to sound like half conspiratorial. I, I've lifelong, not lifelong, but most lifelong user of Apple products. I never update it when they tell you to because they're all something always is wrong. It's just gonna. There's going to be a patch or this. Like they're always like update your iPhone, and then everybody does it, and they're all pissed off because it sucks. You know. So I'm the guy. I'm you know rocking an iPhone eight with like you know. It's like download the new software. Nope, I don't want your new software. Old software works fine. They just want you to update so they can, you know, fuck around in your phone and do other things and it doesn't work out. <laughs> so I'm I never update when I have to, but after a year or two of not updating and then my I, I lose memory and it just sucks up and it forces you to basically do it. I can never. Near, could just... We are near that with this laptop. We are near the point with the laptop. So, no, but the difference also is, George, that see you you leave out the part where you your initial issue with zoom is you you i think i have the text still you didn't say it was an issue. you didn't say it was an issue because you were using something and you didn't like it you literally said zoom is a bad platform you i do not recall that you you, 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 you you go find the receipts i do not recall that yeah i don't know if it's verbatim but you you basically said no i think it was somebody effect of no zoom doesn't work as well zoom has choppy sound like you that's because of my experience with my device yeah, but you, but, you, but, you, but you generalize the whole thing <laughs> without saying any of your per previous experience. Because, you of, say because of my experience with it, which was due to my equipment here, which is not, you know, up to speed. Marcus, how are you? I miss you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing lovely, man. I'm doing lovely. Okay. I mean, I got my updated iOS for my MacBook. It's running smooth as eggs, man. <laughs> I also have a Mac. Yeah, I have a MacBook Air. I had a MacBook Pro I'm before. Gonna to, I'm going to have to look into it then. And my MacBook Pro I had for like six years. I never had any problem. 
but it, I, now I have a MacBook Air, and it's fantastic as well. Shout, shout out to my HP. Wow. <laughs> I, I had an HP back in the day, but then I then I went to the Max. Well, this is the one that Angel won from me like two Christmases ago. So. Oh, well, it's still, yes. still newer, though, so that's good. Yeah, it is newer. It's way better than the one that sounded like an airplane taking off all the time. So, 